Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. What's up, y'all? This is Alien Black. We're going to get started in a few minutes. Just sign this thing in and run through the pre-checks, and uh, we'll be good to go. So hold on one second. Hello, Feds. What's up, y'all? See, we got guests two online. Guest two, uh, identify yourself. We'll be getting started shortly here, y'all. We're just trying to give everybody uh I just posted the um the link so once everybody I guess sees it and if they're interested they'll join, then we'll go from there. See how this thing is on the go.
Who we got online? Hello? Yep, who we got online? <laughs> Hello. No, North Missouri and guess two. Uh, identify yourself. No, Missouri, identify yourself, please. North Missouri. Who do we have online? Hello? Hello? Yeah, who is this? I'm here. Hey, what's going on, bro? No, all is well. I heard y'all, uh, my baby was crying. I had to go tend to him, and I just put it on mute. You know what I'm saying? I, I got you. I got you. It's all good. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just trying to give everybody a chance to uh, get in here, man, and then we'll start up. Um, that's all good. I just need, I want to know who's on. I saw it's you and somebody else, but the other person haven't identified it. So, uh, I just want to know who, who. So, so I'll just be, I'll probably, I got the kids on me right now, so I'll probably be on mute. So we tell oh, you no, it's all good. We're going to start up to uh, see if we get some more people online. And, uh, if not, then, you know, do what's necessary. For sure. So, I got you. Appreciate you uh, letting us know who you are. No doubt. On that note, I'm going to pause for a second, y'all, and uh, we'll get started soon and get some more people signed in.
All right, talk show I'm back, and uh, we're going to get a few. Still waiting on some more people to get online, then we'll try to get this conversation going. It's two, who are you? Uh, if you're listening in, um, identify yourself so we know who we uh talking to online. I am just going to go ahead and block this, too, because uh, I don't know what it is and who it is, so it's all good. Hopefully, within the next few minutes, we'll get some, uh, some conversation going. We shall see. Amir, it look like it's just you and me right now, bro. Oh, we got guest three logged in. Oh, hold on one second. Guest three, guest three. Sorry about that. Uh, you with us? Guest three, if you're online, let us know who you are. Hey, I'll just let y'all know, I don't know, <clears throat> the, the, uh, this link is not shared, it's only shared in the, um, the private groups, and we coming, go ahead, who we got? Oh, it's me, I just see myself on mute. Okay. Yeah, I believe that's what, what's going on. Nah, because uh, it sounded like you was about to say something, so I wanted to make sure I focused in. Yeah, uh, no, I was just, I was letting people know, sometimes... We open it up, <clears throat> these calls up. Now, there was an impromptu call, so I know it caught a lot of people off guard. But I told people in the, uh, in the other private group that we got that we were going to do the call a little while ago. I just got back late, so I said, fuck it, I got to keep my word and do it. But um, sometimes we have people come in, and, you know, when people come in on the chats, we, like, know who we're talking to. Uh, it's unlisted, so it shouldn't be anybody on here that's not in one of the two groups. And... Uh, you know, we just need people to let us know who who we who we dealing with. And I see Shanita, guest three is Shanita, so we good. Uh, 
So just right now it's just uh you Amir and uh Shanita and myself. So um give a couple of people more a little bit more time to chime in. Guess too, whoever that was, they left. Uh, I swear to God, <clears throat> when I was calling, when I was sending this thing up, I was telling um I tell her she needed a few seconds ago when um, I contacted her that you, it's like somebody be on the phone and I'm looking at the thing nobody's on the phone and we always get this guest too online every single time and uh, they never respond and I don't know how that is but uh, somehow that's a reality probably nothing it could be something you got any questions anybody got any questions anyone want to talk about this or I got some subjects that I want to cover tonight, but uh, it's really it'll be best covered as a group. Um, yeah, I just mentioned that uh, lately I've been studying bushcraft and different things of that nature. You know what I mean? Just different techniques, like cutting traps, fishing baskets, and nets, and different alternative methods and stuff like that. And uh. I'm enjoying it, you know what I'm saying? It's something I'm definitely happy I've been doing and looking into, you know. Good, man. Good. Let me tell you, I saw, um, I think it was Jackson put up today something like he had ordered a water water filter, a water purifier. And I meant to come in on it. I'm probably, when I get a chance, I'm going to do it. Sometimes I see stuff and I say I'm going to come back to it. I just kind of scan through and I don't really um, have the time to read it or, or really. Um, if I'm on my phone or something, I don't like trying to type on it. I just see something. I say, I come back to it later when I get on my computer. But um, it was, you know, when it comes to water, I did a video on that before. Um, and, and it's speaking to what, you know, the whole bushcraft uh, thing in a sense. And the key thing, people, you always want to remember is keep it simple. And as what I'm saying in relation to what he put about buying a water filter, water filters are cool to have, but they only last so long. So whatever you do, you want to make sure you rely more on systems that are just more so, uh, you know, just permanent systems that 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 systems that actually are that actually become a system if that make, if that makes sense. Uh, you just want to have a way of doing things. You want to have the same, you know, if you got a container that you use. I say if you're gonna carry anything in the field related to water, carry a pot or some type of you know stainless steel container um, that you can boil water in. That's that's your best your best bet outside of some type of chemical treatment. And then when you're dealing with chemical treatment, you know, it's how long is that chemical that you use and how long you're going to have it, how much you're going to have. And it is it really, uh, can you replenish it in the field? In most cases, the answer to that is no. So um, the best thing you can, they better be around forever. If you can start a fire, you can purify your water. So, you know, and whatever you're doing, a lot of, a lot of even the, a lot of these shows and a lot of um, books and everything else is just like all other things. Like it's just written to, uh, it's presented to generate sales, you know, to get people feeling like they need certain stuff and to make people want to buy shit. And uh, that's pretty much, it. you know, that's pretty much it. We're really, it's really real simple what you need to survive in the field. You know, you need to be, mainly have something to keep yourself warm. Uh, have some kind of uh, means to get clean water, some kind of means to get food, and some type of means to defend yourself against man and beast. And uh, generally have some sense, you know, and, and even in the survival situations, you know, there's so many 
so many um, variables with that shit. It just depends what kind of survival situation are you in. Did the car roll off an embankment and roll down a hill and you broke your leg and now you're trying to call out the car and just simply trying to get back up the embankment? Somebody might not even know you're down there. Could be, um, that could be a real fucking challenge for survival. You could be in a plane crash and somehow be, you know, miraculously survive. But even with that, you know, survival rate, most survival episodes, if the people are intelligent, are short-lived. If the people are not intelligent, then it become a TV series or a TV show. You know what I mean? About stupid fucking mistakes they made. And, uh, you know, it becomes some long, drawn-out drama. But, you know, in, intelligent shit, sensible stuff is normally not, is not show-worthy or... Um, yeah, you know, ain't what people want right, to see. Right, man. I'm you know telling I mean? you, I feel what you're saying, man. Because I, you know, when I first got into prepping, everything was about guns. Every gun is gear this, bulletproof vest that, water filter this, bug out vehicle that. But I'm starting to understand as I'm learning this bushcraft, my bag is getting smaller and smaller. The things I'm gonna need. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it's like some rope, a knife, three five starting methods, and like a, a little. A little cooking pot, like you said, I can figure it out from there. You know what I'm saying? Yes, you can. And a lot mm-hmm. of other things, if you got fire and a knife in a pot, everything else, pretty much, you can extrapolate from nature. And rope and cordage. You can get cordage in, the, in from nature, but you got to be real skilled and you got to be kind of fortunate as to your location. Like, if you in the desert, you ain't going to get no fucking cordage. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you on a boat, you on a cruise and the shit's sinking all out there on some little survival boat, you're not going to get no cordage. Um, I keep so the cordage because I'm not trying to be, you know what I mean? That's one of the last things I'm trying to spend my, my, my you know, daylight hours doing is making rope in this yeah. level situation. If it could be avoided, it seems like if I have the rope, a lot of things can be started. Like, I could just go ahead and, you know what I'm saying, create a little fishing basket right quick. Versus you got to do the cordage, then you got to do the basket. You could just do the basket because you got, you know what I'm saying, the paracord on deck. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Then even with fishing, you got to learn. You know, it's a lot of ways to fish. Even, you know, if, if you got, if you're in the right location, you know, it's, uh, you know, you can create like little traps. And Native American, different people used to come up with all the energy. They, they were not throwing no, catching no fucking line. You know what I mean? They'd be setting up traps in the water, stacking rocks in the water in a certain way. So the fish will feel like they got a little, uh, little tide away, and then when the tide goes yeah. down, they in there. Yeah, they just use, you know, and that way they ain't got to be tending this shit all day long. And you know, it's crazy. I look, I looked at some traps of how they make the different traps, and it's innovating me in ways where I see they made the bow and arrow trip line right, and then mm-hmm. they made the bow and arrow, the bow and arrow trip line fifty pound draw on the bow and arrow. But they said, okay, well, it shoots a small animal, and animal runs off. I'm thinking, well, if I combine how they make the fishing hook trap with the bow and arrow trap, once the arrow hits the, the, the target, it can't run off because it's still attached to a line, even if it's a land animal. You know what I'm saying? Like the stuff get real innovative when you really think about how, like I, I always thought this stuff's too complicated for me, man. I'm gonna just cut, give me some 22 and some mouse traps, like you know what I'm saying. But I started looking it up. Like it's not hard at all, bro. Like if you could change the alternate, there's no reason why you can't figure out all the traps. You know what I mean? True. And you know, like uh, necessity is, is the mother of innovation. 
You get out there and start yeah. realizing you assed out. You know, you start thinking. <laughs> you, know, you start your mind. If you, unless you're just a complete moron. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> like, you know, you'll start fucking thinking. It, stuff starts coming real clear to you, or you'll die. You know, so you always got options. Um, it's going to be one of the damn other, man. How do you feel about using drones? It's part of uh, part of surveillance and recon technology, just to have on deck as a man. Like, does that sound like something that I think that's great? I think it's a great idea, especially if you got one of the um, the high end ones, man. That's a real force multiplier. Uh, I was real thinking that, man. I was thinking like I might want to set up a system in my house where if anything goes on, I could press a button and have an Overwatch drone fly up above my house, give me bird's eye view of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, you know, it, it'll be good to have if she hit the fan and you, you know, you went home and you want to see what's going around, going around, going on in the neighborhood without having to right. leave, like they say, if you kind of sheltered in. Yeah, you know, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to, um, <laughs> it's vulnerable to, um, um, to, you know, shotgun, you know, fire and stuff like that, but depending on how, how you take it. Uh, but they can go up to, I think they can go up to, uh, yeah, you're right, because anything over 500 is considered military airspace. You know what I'm saying? Or something like that. Yeah, military commercial airspace. I mean, in the shit, the fan you ain't care. I don't know if it can exceed, if it can, if it can exceed that ceiling, then yeah, but then, I mean, you think about a shotgun is going to be in the shape to pass 100 yards, 300 feet. Um, so you can hover above shotgun range. Um, uh, rifle, you know, somebody got a rifle and they're a good shot, they probably could really, they probably could shoot it down. But you can move that thing. It's hard to shoot down flying objects because most people don't know how to shoot at things that are moving. You know what I mean? You got to lead it. You know what I mean? You got to, you know, track it because where you're seeing it at is not where it's at when it's moving. So you have to shoot ahead of it or, you know, you have to lead it or you have to create a wall for it to fly into. You know what I mean? Uh, a wall of fire for it to fly into and, you know that that it, it could be that could be taxing trying to trying to achieve that goal. You know, and, and I was like, you know the military, you, you ain't uh, gonna know if it's for you. Like if you, if the shit cracks and you see a drone in the sky, are you gonna waste your ammo trying to knock the drone down? Like you're not gonna know if that drone for you or you know what I'm saying. Plus, a lot of them is quiet, man. If you paint the bottom of the drone gray, like a like a baby blue gray, you know what I'm saying. It's a lot of things mm-hmm. you could do, man, with the drones where. I mean, I know if I have if I get into a conflict, just knowing a weakness, I'm, the last thing I'm looking at is, is there something in the sky. Now that I mean, that might yeah. be a, a failure on my end, but that's not even something I'd be concerned with. Was looking up, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it it, it, it you know it behooves you like in anything to check out. I'll always look where you shouldn't look, uh, where people want yeah. to look. So uh, I was at Walmart. I got a video of it on my phone. I haven't loaded it to the. Uh, I got a lot of shit I ain't loaded, but. Uh, Somebody was flying one on Walmart about a month ago, and I heard it. And, you know, I heard it. That's how I caught my. It was like a, one of them, um, uh, one of the ones they have at um at Best Buy, that white one. Um, they had it, and they were hovering on Walmart, and uh, they had it. It was probably about uh, sixty feet off the deck, and um, that's why I seen kind of loud, and that's what caught my attention. And me and this other dude, but it's funny people going on by their business, like not paying it no mind. I mean, that's real. Somebody was probably just playing or just surveying, you know. You know, somebody was just playing with it. 
But it's I thought just about it. wanted to try it out right quick. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't. The thing about it, I thought you don't know who out here controlling it. You don't know who operating it. And you know what I mean. It's a, I can I mean, see all kind of pedophiles, and you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, man, I didn't even think about that aspect. I could really see some pedophiles trying to take advantage of this drone technology. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not just any kind of creep. You know what I'm saying? It don't got to be a pedophile. Any kind of creep. Because you know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. Because a couple dudes I know was talking about utilizing the drone for street activity. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know, I'm I don't really have the issue. Hey, I'm going on mute right quick. Okay, I can I can hear you though. I could uh I could see people doing that and um uh I mean for as um um uh, using them I'm surprised people but then you know people in the streets a lot of times uh by the time they realize something is is no longer valid science but uh you know it was it was definitely I mean anybody anybody using it I mean it it could help it could be uh, drones are useful in so many different a- applications. It's ridiculous, and it's something I guess you know. And I guess when they started realizing people were getting, you know, starting to wise up to it, you know, certain elements, uh, certain people, then you know, you start coming up with all these rules and this and that, and you you know, you got to have a, a license uh, if you're gonna do it this way or that way. But uh, it's definitely a fucking force multiplier all day long. It's uh those those Mavericks, the ones that's like a thousand dollars. If I if you had a team, if you had a serious team of people would have uh, a serious team would have that. They would spend whatever money necessary going together and get it as a group, just so they could have that um uh, that capability. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's what I, I was just thinking, man. I. I would love to be in a situation with a team where I got someone just monitoring the cameras that follow the team around everywhere we go. You know what I'm saying? Like hovering above on Overwatch. You know what I mean? We don't know what's around the corner without having a look. You know what I mean? Yeah. That shit would be so, you know, it, 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 I mean, and then sometimes, you know, like I've seen them flying them, and they, they don't actually have to be hovering over the area they look at. You take them up high enough and, pan, and tilt the camera in the direction, you know, like, especially if it's an open field, you can see shit without, you can kind of match your sound signature by, you know, by your angle of, uh, you know, your angle of uh, uh, flight, you know, like just by angling your camera in the direction toward, um, um, toward, uh, you know, the people uh, that you're dealing with. Uh, Mary, you see it there, my fault, I'm trying to, Oh, you straight? I was one of the kids was, you know what I mean, making some noise or something. No, nah, it was all yeah, good. I, I accidentally uh, saw the thing muted everybody, and I didn't know if, uh, I didn't know. Let me allow participation. Cause... Let me ask you this, man, just a little <laughs> hypothetical, because, you know, we, we're not on a serious convo right now. If you had to equip, you know what I'm saying, yourself with a tool, you could either get Gen 4 Thermal, or you could get, you know what I'm saying, uh, the drones that only have night vision, you know what I mean? They don't have thermal. If you could choose a night vision drone or Gen 4 thermal on a scope or something like that, like which one would you think would be more, more worth the money? I, I you know buy the thermal. I buy yeah. the thermal off the loan. Yep. 
is it because it is worth more money, or is that, is that really what you think? It's not because it's worth more money, simply because it'll give me more capability and the more security. Every time you put a drone up, um, a drone is um, a drone is more vulnerable, and a drone, even though it's very useful, is limited in 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 in, in applications for me uh, and the way I operate, the way that I'll be operating the shit, the fan situation. Uh, you know, my signature be low anyway. Even if it'll be good to have intel about what's going on here and there, but I could I could augment uh, uh, the drone capability just by the way I by the way I operate. You know, if I got me a good rifle with a scope, you know, I got you know binoculars and stuff. I can see, and I you know you just a lot of times, man, it's how you practice, uh, and not and not, I'm using the word practice, but it's how you operate. You know, um, if you're operating. Uh, in a certain manner, a lot of things don't become issues and problems. A lot of gear and equipment uh, you'll find is not necessary. You know what I mean? It's always good to have something and not need it than to need it and not have it. But uh, if you like what you're talking about in the field craft that you're studying, uh, once you start learning that stuff, you can, you know, take off your back and put it in your head. And then you just got to be able to think. Oh, that's real, bro. That's real that you said that, man. <laughs> That is very. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a quote that on on the book if you don't mind. For sure, yeah. Take it off your back, put it in your head. But that's exactly what I'm on. Cause I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got some water filter tablets as well. You know what I mean? But aside from that, I'm like, shoot, man. Who's to say that it crack off and I have ability to even get to? You know what I'm saying? To even get to yeah. where my where my stuff is. Like, you know, I might be in the car, but who's to say that's even a wise option? You know what I'm saying? Like, it might not be wise to just go outside, whatever. It may be wise to go the other direction, the woods. Never know what's going on. But I feel like, I feel like as a man, like I shouldn't have to rely upon, you know what I'm saying, the the the, the, the water man to say, yeah, you can have some water, or the gas man to say, yeah, you can have some gas, or, you know what I'm saying, in order for me to be able to feed my, my family. So I started looking on how to trap and how to build shelters, which leads me to another issue, right? Mm-hmm. In a in a situation, you definitely want to have shelter, but there's quick shelters and there's shelters that may take about an hour or two to make, but they're not ones that you can move with. Like I was always kind of wondering, like how will I know when it's time to do a quick shelter or when it's time to do a a more elaborate, a more comfortable, more you know fitting shelter? You know what I'm saying? Like I just kind of wonder, like how will I know? I mean, do I even want to do a shelter? Is it better to just, you know what I'm saying, do only the quick little blankets? You know what I mean? Do I really want to spend time doing a shelter? I don't know, man. These are just the things that I've been thinking about, you know? Well, really, your situation, uh, your situation that dictate what you do. Uh, right, right. If you're in combat, if, if shit hit the fan and, and you're in an area where there's a lot of hostility or a lot of unknowns, um, and people moving about doing whatever, and you you not by you by yourself, and you you can't set out a security element. Then it's, it's, it it makes common sense that you be able to stay. You got to stay mobile. You got to continuously right, right. move. But you can you can hold on one second. Hold on. Hello? Hello? Hey, this is Shanita. I was Hello. trying to wait for a good time to let y'all know that I'm on the call. 
Hey, Shanita. Hey. What's going on? What's going on? I'm going to mute my phone. All right. Somebody I, else will I got a lot of background noise. Okay. Um, to answer your question, man, um, the, you know, the situation with dictate, what I always tell people to do, uh, you want to know what they have in your kit, buy your a PVC rain suit. And just keep that in there. That's going to solve the majority of your problems. Uh, a PVC rain suit is a is a mobile tent. If it's cold, if it's raining, whatever the fuck, you just put that PVC suit on over that rain suit on over your uh, your clothes, and then you can sit against you can prop yourself against a tree, sit on your pack to keep you from touching, you know, being on the ground, and you can sleep in that bitch. It can rain all on you all it wants to, you know what I mean? But you and your um, you you know you laced up in your suit, and then you can like you know sit up on a tree with a lot of foliage. And that'll help mitigate a lot of the rain that's coming down on you. But even with the rain coming down on you, you still got your uh, you still got your rain suit, and it's good. It's a good idea. See, a lot of people when they talk about survival, they talk about shit from a military point of view. And a lot of times, the military uh, the military is abusive to its its, its uh, people, and they expect it to put out. They expect it to take some abuse because. It's really not expected for it to carry on too long, and generally the military got a huge number of people uh, working in conjunction. Yeah. So, and then they got they got uh, they got um, air support. They got communications. So even if they find themselves in a bad way for a period of time, uh, they know if they just hold out for a little while, they're gonna be relieved. You know what I mean? Or they're gonna be they're either gonna be killed or relieved. Um, so it's not a it's not the same as people. Like, people like us, we've, you know, and then our situation is not going to be really there. I think people need to to put it, really bring, pull shit back into context because if America if America have a financial collapse, there are other entities and powers out here, real powers and real entities that's going to have say in what the fuck go down. You know what I mean? They're not going to, um, it's just not going to be a free for Nah, because it's, it's about money. America is tied into the international banking system, so... If 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 there's some kind of uh, offset, then you got other organized powers that are that are that are you know they have they have deals with people. United States got deals with Canada. They got deals. The government has deals with different nations. So uh, I mean, NATO itself would come in here and establish, reestablish. But the United States lost the ability to maintain its own order, and that would happen simply because the United States is a nuclear power. People think about shit from TV perspective. You can't allow the the world body cannot allow a nuclear power to be destabilized. United States talk about that all the time. They talk about when Pakistan and India different places have conflict. They talk about going in there taking their weapons or securing the place because they are nuclear fucking power. The United States will never be in a position. It's kind of fantasy unless something you know extraterrestrial happened or something out of this world or something some type of natural cataclysmic type event, you know, before the earth, the United States will never um, be in a position where there won't be some type of governing body. I mean, they already, they, they got contingencies for everything. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot of this shit we see on TV is just uh, the prepper shows and all that survival shit is just pretty much set in place to make money. It's a good business right now. It's one of the few economies that are stimulated. The gun economy, the prepping economy, um, fear sales. So they sell you fear, and they, um, and you know, some of the some of the some of the some of the concerns people have are real. 
You know, they may be eventualities. But for the most part, a lot of this shit is just, it's not well thought out. Because the people are limited in their understanding. And people are limited in the data that they have to, um, they have access. So a lot of things they think going to happen ain't going to happen in the context that they think is going to happen. Too much money involved, too much power. And they have, well, how how you going to knock out the U.S. government? If the U.S. suffer economic collapse, what does that mean? The dollar, you know, inflation, or the dollar loses in value. They got they got plan for that. You know what I mean? They got plan for that. Uh, if there was, they're never going to be a rape war. That's something a lot of white people look forward to. It is something a lot of black people are probably afraid of, but it's not real. You know what I mean? There could be conflict. There's always going to be problems. You know, white people could arbitrarily start killing black people. Um, but, it, you know, you're not going to have it happen in mass because they ain't even the same people they fathers were. These ain't the same group of people. They don't have it in. Their people are ten times harder than them. Um, and even still, when the government said no more, then they stopped, didn't they? They didn't stop lynching black people because they felt different. They stopped lynching black people because the government told them, we'll prosecute y'all for doing it. And um, and not that they're going to prosecute every single case, but it was just, you know, they stopped because they, they, the law, they, the, the government, gave, the federal government gave the impression that they were going to uh, follow up with prosecution. So no matter what people say, and no matter what people do, you'll see it time and time again. When people are put to the fire and they really have to face the forces they've been talking about facing for a long time, then you'll see people generally buckle. Unorganized groups will buckle under the pressure of organization every single fucking time, especially superior organization. You can't even negotiate if you don't have an organization. That's why black people are so powerless. You can't negotiate. You got to have numbers that say they, they are the same mind in order to have power. So anyway, a lot of people in America run around with all these, you know, TV-inspired ideas about what's going to be what. And it's not going to be like that. It could be a, it could be a period of time where uh, they allow, you know, anarchy and chaos, but they got they, it's still going to be within the confines of which they or what they what they deem allowable. Because it's you know we just everybody in this game man are just pawns, and they don't understand that. But that's just my take on that's what I've seen. That's from some of the things I know, some of the information I've been privy to, and places I've been. I've seen how it works, and this is the United States and all its fuck ups. Is a very organized machine, very, very organized, down to levels that people, you know, on the streets and people who never seen it can't even imagine. You know, and so when you start talking about, oh, this going to happen, it'll have to be, like I say, in order for America to stay in prolonged um, disorder, dismay, or chaos, it would have to be some type of uh, uh, damn near extinction-level event to befall the Earth where all the governments of the Earth are in jeopardy. All the nations have been you know, duly affected by, you know, the same incident. When nobody can come to another's aid, you know, where NATO, you know, where France, Europe, you know, Asia, India, you know, um, of course, France is a part of Europe, but I'm just saying all the nations, every little country, they got their own fucking problems dealing with whatever has happened. Then you might find a case where uh, there may be some sense of prolonged, uh, prolonged, um, Madness. Anyway, I'm going to pause right there. See, we got some other people on the line. Uh, what's up, y'all, the new people? If y'all on the phone, let us know who y'all are. Um, what's good, fam? It's Anderson. 
Hey, what's hey, going what's on, Henry? Not much. Not much. Living the dream as always. Good, man. How that training been going? Good. I'm actually uh I'm actually done with it now. Just flew back into San Antonio. Oh, cool, man. Cool. I wish I could have been doing that with y'all. I know you had fun. <laughs> it got so cold out there. Uh, yeah, no, no. It, it worked out. It worked out really well. Lots of cool, information. Man. Lots of, uh, you know, defense. I guess kind of basic level tactics. Again, you know, lots of shooting, communicate. Uh, lots of eye-opening experiences as far as, you know, human nature under pressure. Cool. I want to talk about that a little bit. Let me see who else online first, and then we. I want to touch back on that with you. Who else we got online besides Henry? I know we got hey. Shanita here. Who? What's going on, dude? It's Fred. Hey, what's happening with you, Fred? What's up, Mustafa family? All right. We think, Fred, I don't know who is who. We had a couple of people keep coming in and coming out, apparently. So we got myself, Shanita, Fred, Henry so far. Anybody else? Oh, it's just us then. That's cool. We'll roll like that too. I see people popping in and popping out. I don't know what's going on on the thing. Um, Henry, um what was eye opening for you about uh, well, as, as far as people or, or about it? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say just you know, it's literally seeing folks freezing up. Um apparently the class before ours they literally had somebody, you know, it was getting lit up with Simrau, I guess, like, on the hands. And, I mean, like, that's the, the worst place to get hit. Um, and this person, you know, their hands were hurting so bad, they dropped their weapon and ran. And they were like, you know that's not allowable, right? You know, like, you, you literally cannot do that. Like, you need to go back and grab that weapon. And until you do, we will use more Simrounds to guide you back to that weapon. But you know what? You know what? But that's unfair, y'all. Y'all should let them drop their weapon and run because technically, if they get shot in the hand in real life, they go drop their weapon anyway. And technically, oh, if they get shot up like that, they done anyway. They should just pull them up out the game. I mean, it's over for you. You know what I mean? It's over for you. You be, just go sit down to the next one. <laughs> but you can't quit before it's all said and done. Like that's that's yeah. the biggest thing. You know, as long what as what are y'all qualifications for dead? I mean, if they what? How do y'all determine if like if they get shot? Uh, you know, how do y'all what? What? Okay, when a person gets shot, what 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 determination is made? Are they out of the game or they just keep getting shoot? How does that uh, work? So the way that it actually works is you don't die unless somebody says okay. As a result of the injuries you just sustained, you're now dead, and then everybody okay. else has to either carry them or um or move them to, to do uh, tactical field care under fire, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, you know, and not to get off subject, and I know we can't talk about certain things because of that, but, you know, looking at what y'all are doing, and, you know, when I asked you the other day, I said, um, why did they have y'all doing that? I think, I think they're preparing. Uh, they, I think something, a bigger conflict is coming, and it's really smart on their part, even if they do that on a periodic basis. To make sure everybody's on the same level, um, that's what I'm talking about. They, the United States organization skill, especially militarily, is is, is really, 
you know, it's that back, it's the backbone to their, to their, to their, to their, to their power to a degree. Just the level to which they're organized, and I know they have some some shortcomings like everybody else, but oh, yeah. um, sometimes when you watch it, you're like, man, that's you know, they got they got their shit together as far as you know, at least having a plan. Not that it's necessarily going to work there, but they do believe in planning, and they, oh, yeah. um, you know, um, and I think that's something common that you know, the average everyday person. Especially people like when I be, you know, getting the people be talking about, you know, they patriots and they gonna fight the government or, or revolutionaries. Like y'all really don't understand how that thing works. Not trying to dissuade or discourage people, but you really just don't understand how that thing works, and you don't understand the level of organization in which 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 exists um, that would make everything you talking about doing um, futile. Um, but not to go there so much, but. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I just thought it was interesting that, that they had your MOS doing that. And um, that's, I mean, it's, I, I, it's, and I think, too, uh, I'm glad you had the experience just watching how people do, because I think that would get a lot of people, man. A lot of people think they, they can do this or they can do that or they're going to be at this point or that point until it happens. And then you start seeing, and that's important to discover. It's important to make discoveries about people's limitations. You know what I mean? Well, people's presets, because you need to know if you ever fall in combat with somebody. Whatever you saw them doing, um, you know, in training, uh, if they see a witch out after training, that's probably what they're going to do in real life, especially if they know people are, you know, actively trying to kill them for real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that is that your phone here, or that's somebody else's phone? I'm hearing. It sounds like a CB. I'm actually on the road. Uh, did you need me to mute it when I'm not talking? Go ahead and mute. Let me see. It just stopped. I don't know who that was. It just stopped. Unmute. Yeah, it's just me. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm driving. Heard. My car kind of loud sometimes. That's all good. What What other um What other eye opening experiences? I mean, you know, what else did you learn? Or um, um just period. One of the uh, One of the lanes that we did was a counter IED. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they showed us, like, all of the different, well, not all, but a lot of the different devices that are being used. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the different descriptions of devices and how they work. Multiple layer, uh, layers of, of switches and uh, activations. Some of them activated by the victim. Some of them activated by uh, command. Some of them, you know, command but wireless. Um, yeah, very, very, very interesting stuff, but... Use tape charges and all that. They, they had uh, EOD guys come in and set up a port essentially for us to just walk. And when I tell you, you know, it was just say, all right, look, everybody stop right where you are. Anybody see anything? Nope. Nobody see anything? Okay. And then they just start pulling mortars out of the ground. Um, just, like, all kinds of, uh, like, literally exact replicas of the uh, the bombs that they themselves had deactivated or worked on uh, in deployment. And to say that that threat is it's not insurmountable, but, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of discouraging for a lot of folks. Because, I mean, it's like it's, it's almost nothing you can do right when somebody is, you know, willing to go to those lengths to kill you. You know, it's um, 
And, and when you when you talk about IEDs, I think that's the number one that's the number one killer um, uh, in Iraq and in, in Afghanistan as far as uh, you know roadside bombs and and, and mines and stuff. You know, because it's that's what that stuff like that is really what would really terrify somebody. Because you know, the, on top of it, when it when it, if if a mine gets you, then your friends, your people can't get any revenge behind it, so it have a psychological effect on on you have a psychological effect of not knowing, you know what I mean, every footfall could be your last, not knowing if you're going to trip a, you know, trip a wire or, or somebody sitting out watching you with, like you said, a command detonated, um, you know, bomb or something like that. And even if you're in armor, you know, uh, I, I remember looking at some of the plates they were using in Iraq. Those guys were making some big-ass shape charges, man. And um, they were destroying, uh, they was even destroying those MRAPs with those things, man. It just you know, or, or wiring up 105 millimeters, you know, 105, uh, uh, 105 shells and stuff like that. Or, or I mean, you, they, they, you know, they'll do some ingenious stuff, man. And um, I think I was, uh, Mary and I were talking earlier about that. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, in, in necessity brings about innovation, man. And people start thinking, and that's the danger when you walk through other people's territory. Um, you know, they really, you really, you know, you on you on home plate for them, so a home ground for their home turf and uh they can let they can leave some nasty surprises for you man and um even with stuff like that i think civilians you know with you know like stuff you saw civilians don't see that uh regular people don't see that and they don't understand the nature of that and even just having if somebody were putting out toe pop or something that simple uh in the area to deny that you know deny movement if once one person get blown up um, in in a civilian setting, let's say it's some shit the fan, it'll 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 have a negative psychological effect on everybody else. You could actually, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You could actually huddle a, a huge number of people in one area just by letting them see one person, you know, get blown apart or something vicious happen to one person. You could you could stop the actions or uh, stymie movement, you know, uh, by a huge number of non-military people. And, you know, most people don't think about it because they're like, that's not a reality. They've never seen, you know, they never seen some of those boot traps. they never seen, you know, like mines and stuff like that. And uh, once they see those things put in play, then you'll start seeing people change their mind. You see them change their mind by their they, uh, they showed us how simple it was to make an explosively formed penetrator that can mm-hmm. decimate. I mean, like, literally, it turns into hot plasma and just boils and burns straight through any, but most of the armor that uh, that's available today. I mean, like, straight through. Um, yeah. Like, talk about, like, a game changer. And it's literally yeah. just, you know, a, a piece of copper on an explosive aimed at the road. That's all it is. And it defeats just about everything we have. Yeah. You can't you can't really stop shape charges. I think those uh those uh, expl- uh what do they call it um EFTs they, or explosively formed penetrators. Yeah, I'm talking about um like um they have like uh you know how tanks have uh, reactive armor where they have explosive between two sh- you know on the on the tank they have a where if you shoot a charge a shape charge at it it'll hit the uh the uh reactive armor and that and the reactive armor it has an explosive uh um shielded between two places it'll go off and it'll it'll break up that jet that that the uh that the uh that the uh shape charge is created 
But even with that, like the Russian, a lot of people, they'll come with dual warheads. Like it'll have two shape charges. The first one to go off and blow, and that, it's amazing that you can do that. That that timing sequence is so is so precise and so fast that the first shape charge to go off and blow off the reactive armor, and then the second, the, the tandem warhead, what they call them tandem, the second shape, shape charge to go off within seconds of that, and it'll send the jet through. Uh, and like the first one to clear uh, clear a path in case they're using something like reactive armor, even if it's something like very heavy armor. Um, the second charge will blow through the opening that the uh, first charge created. So, um, I mean, it's outstanding. Like you say, it's relatively simple. You shape a copper, you know, put in like a – you should do them uh, – I've seen people um, do them like with wine glass. You can take a wine glass and make a shape charge. I've seen them where they'll take a, a, a penny. A lot of people, like you take, they could take a regular shape and put it like if you got a cone like on a um, – like a um, – like uh, when you, you know what they call them, when the little funnels you use to put gas in your car or oil in your car, um, if you like a martini glass, if it has that that conical shape, they'll uh, they'll uh, you they'll take like a a, a wick and wrap it, uh, burn it around the tip, and then they'll break the the top part out where the handle of the glass is, and just you can actually even use glass. It's not going to be strong as that copper jet. But anything, a lot of times it's just the fact that you shape that explosive around it, and then you got the standoff, and it just is just physics. When that thing detonates, it compresses, um, uh, it you know that shape, it inverts that shape. And even if it's glass, even if you know most times they use a, a copper plate, um, but it's a lot of stuff. Nothing can withstand that 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 inversion from that you know from a high explosive charge. Um, uh, detonating behind that shape, it's going to invert it, and it's going to invert it at you know several times the speed of uh, sound, and it's going to it's going to punch through whatever the fuck you got, whatever in front of whatever it's, you know its standoff is. And um, I I used to see I used to I used to uh, I used to really be into science, like I used to love the chemistry of uh, energetic materials. So I used to study that a long time ago, but uh, I still remember a lot of it. But I, you know, I was always fascinated. I was fire, fascinated with fireworks and all that stuff growing up. So it kind of all went in the same direction. But um, those principles, I mean, it's it's amazing, man. It's amazing what they can do. But they 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 come up with counters for stuff and everything. You, it's an old saying that any known measure can be counted. You come up with one thing, they'll come up with something else. Um, they have stuff to to kind of to counter uh, shape charges. Like even RPGs have shape charges in them. But uh, they'll do that, you know, like you'll see sometimes like the Israeli will put that wire mesh around their vehicles. They have like a, um, um, uh, like, it's like a screen. Like you'll see them driving with the little vehicles and they had the screens around them. And that's so that they could uh, break up the uh, warhead before it impacts on the, uh, on the whole of the vehicle. And therefore they can, if they can, uh, if they, if they can cause the warhead to break a shear or just to, you know, destroy it before it detonates, before the point. It point detonates on the um on 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 like on the vehicle, then it could it could uh destroy the the whole shape charge effect where you just get a blast but you won't have it, it won't form a penetrator because the uh, the shape of the uh, you know the the warhead has been um, destroyed or dented or or, or sliced in or a section of it sliced off so you don't have a shape charge formed um, you don't have a jet formed um, from the um, blast. But so they have they have counters for it. The reactor arm is a counter, but then like I said, he came up with the tandem warheads. So if you if you knock out one, then the second one gonna get you. But um I find all this stuff fascinating, man. It's interesting. Y'all get to play with that. It's real that's real cool.
Outstanding. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, you know, great training. Um, yeah, really, really, really good stuff. What did you learn about, um, um, did y'all, did you, y'all know the other day you were talking about y'all were doing ambushes and stuff like that. Did you learn anything from that? Like, what did you, I, uh, I, I know you spread some of what thoughts did you come away with? Uh, it was the, the actual training on ambushes was, uh, you know, like pretty basic, um, near ambushes push through, you know, you're probably going to get cut up, but, you know, you have a better chance of pushing through at that point than you do trying to withdraw. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, far ambushes break contact, but you break contact to uh, make contact again. Um, if you do, then you are trying to utilize the flanking maneuver to, um, to break them up and, I guess, to... Uh, to stop that, you know, ability to do that, but also being able to not have friendly fire, you know, lift and fire when your folks are getting, um, like, an effective flank on. That was, that was one of the biggest things. Apparently that's been a problem uh, with, with the Army in particular. No. Interesting. I'm sorry. I think they, go ahead. Hold on, I didn't hear the last thing you said. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, I was saying that that apparently has been an issue with the Army in particular. Um, you know, you get in the middle of a firefight, and you have, you know, a couple of squads trying to flank, and as they are effectively flanking and, and pushing through the enemy line, um, they are getting hit with friendly fire um, more so than they are actually, you know, being ineffective at flanking. I can see how that can happen a lot. You know what I mean? Because right? it's really hard if 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 you if you break if you break contact and then try to you know uh, uh, or send elements out to kind of flank an enemy that's trying to ambush you. Then it's if they get behind. I mean, battles. The uh, uh, if if you think about it scientifically, when people are fighting, there's no. There is truly no fixed position unless you're looking at it from the air. But when you're on the ground, like, you know, even if some people, if you were walking down a trail and some people were walking up a trail and y'all, uh, let's say a trail running north or south or whatever, and you come in north, they come in south, uh, and y'all bump into each other and start shooting, y'all not going to stay just constantly facing one another because what people going to do, people going to uh, spread out and try to, you know, uh, depending on what kind of, you know, counter, you know, technique y'all use or whatever, you know, the the, the team leader or whatever decide to do, uh, whatever, you know, prearranged uh, response that you have for, you know, the, uh, you know frontal contact, the people are going to uh, kind of disperse, you know, or, 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 or reposition themselves. And so, and then you could be, you could be fighting, and, and the first y'all was fighting north and south, then it could start uh, morphing, you know, to southwest, you know what I mean? Now y'all kind of, you know, the way people kind of broke out or the way people position themselves, the fight is moving off to the to the left, is moving off to the right. It could come around 180 degrees. Even if you think you're flanking people, if you send elements out, it's not, a lot of times fights are not staying exactly where they started. Even though they're in the general area, but people are moving, people are doing things. Either Either the enemy is pushing forward or you pushing forward, or, you know, or either somebody retreating and then somebody still pushing forward. So, you know, it's 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 a toggle. So 
if somebody if you put out flanking elements, if they weren't already, if it wasn't a pre-planned thing where y'all told them exactly what points to go go to, then if you send some people out to try to flank the enemy, it's a very good chance y'all gonna be, you know, following finding finding yourselves in each other line of fire. And I don't know how you could do anything about that because once again, if you in in like in tree line with hills and 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 and, and different top, topography, you can't tell exactly where you at. And even when an element go around to try to flank some people, they generally go around so they break out, you know, so wide coming around that they could get disoriented even in the flanking movement, unless they keep it real close. And if they keep it real close and they still subject to the same fire and the enemy can see what they're doing, then the enemy can change their position, you know. And then, you know, on top of that, it could be other elements out there that, you, you know, people not aware of that can start moving in and, your flanking element could get flanked by another larger enemy element, and it, is, it can get real crazy. But I can see how um, I can see how you know people. You know, when you get into a firefight, you know, like what they say, ain't no friendly. There ain't no friendly fire. It's just everybody shooting, and anything can happen. So um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it, it's some things I think people could do, but uh, I'm sure the military, if it's a common problem. It's an understandable one because of the, just those difficulties. And I think people, sometimes it's the simplest thing. People just don't sit down and, and talk out. But if you get caught in an ambush or some shit happened that you didn't pre-plan, then definitely anything can happen. And I think they probably suffer more casualties from, uh, you know, bumping into the enemy and not, uh, you know, um, you know, having the enemy, you know, walk into a trap that they've set. Where they got fixed positions, you know, you know, on the, you know, on, you know, on the flanks, you know what I mean, and they just kind of letting the person walk into a trap and they closing it. But um, I don't know. That's you know, it's still that's that's awesome training. That'd be fun. I love to participate in stuff like that. That's that's. I like to watch people too. I like to watch and see what people do. That's that's really always very telling. Just to see, like you say, see how people respond. See how people respond when they're under pressure and they're under stress. Do we have anybody else want to add anything to the conversation? Or I'm coming in late, so I'm listening. Hey, T. Hey, well, you know, how's it going, everybody? All right. Henry, you still on? We still got everybody? Yeah, Shahid is still on, too. I'm, I'm hey. a little distracted that I'm here. What's up, T? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's good, good. I love that picture. That's crazy. No one's shaking. I love that picture. This is crazy. I turned around and I heard her snoring. She sounded like a little cat. I was like, this she, this chick really fell asleep standing up. Who is uh Michigan? Michigan is that uh is that Henry? Did we lose him on the on car? No, I'm, I'm still here. Um, if it does about phone number, then, yeah, it's probably me in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I know one thing I had wanted to talk about um, earlier. I kind of wanted to talk about AR-15s a little bit. Um, I was, uh, we got a, Fred, you still online? Did we lose Fred? I know he came on earlier. No, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening. Okay. Um. One thing I wanted to talk about was uh, AR-15s and scopes. And it's something like, 
I know everybody. Uh, I, I put up a video the other day just on some real basic stuff, just on the parts of an AR-15. I kind of did that for uh, for you, Timmy, and a couple other people. I know most of the fellows, a lot of mm-hmm. fellows on here, have uh, AR-15s and, and and familiar with them. One thing, and this might be beneficial to to Fred and y'all. I want to kind of go through. Uh, if y'all online, if y'all can follow me for a few seconds, I wanted to um, put some links up that I want <laughs> some things I wanted to talk about. Um, as far as scopes, some some points I wanted to discuss on scopes, and oh, also too, Henry, I remember you put up the post about um, about uh, orienteering, uh, orienteering, and um, we were talking about we're gonna do some navigation stuff. We were supposed to do it this week. This week been kind of tricky, so maybe if next week we can start getting into that. I did talk to you know T. I did remind you that uh, um, uh, I had T. I had told him about the A game we used to do. Uh, okay. And you know some of the navigation stuff that we were doing with that, so we'll try to uh, go back over that stuff. It's going to be a little bit different than what uh, like hearing them doing because they doing you know they uh, we we did we did discuss that we we actually did some study on that because the military uh, you know grid reference and and stuff is different from stuff like um, you know most of us have to deal with. We don't we don't plot artillery. Uh, we don't. Um, um, we don't operate like they operate, you know what I mean, of meals, we're doing degrees. Um, so uh, we'll kind of, you know, we'll deal with it more so from a civilian perspective, but we will look at what the military does because it's important just to kind of, you know, have that data. But that's something, you know, if people get more free time next week or whatever, we'll start getting into. Um, and I think that's very important um, just from, you know, I was I, when I was at the range this weekend with Fred and I was walking down um I was walking down with him to um, to look at the targets and set the targets up. I started uh, practicing something. I was like, you know, I was trying to. Um, I looked at where I were, where I was, and I wanted to kind of walk in a straight line as straight as possible. And then what I started doing was um, to see if I could keep it going. I started pigeon toeing. I started doing like a pigeon toe walk. Like I was putting as I stepped, I put one curved and make sure the other foot went directly, you know, almost directly in front of the other foot. And then I started paying attention to how my body was shifting. And this kind of, and a little bit is related to what we're talking about with combat. A lot of times when human beings start shifting uh, their position, even slight shifts in your body can change your direction altogether. You can be one place. Yeah, I, I don't know if y'all ever had this this thing where, like if you were to close your eyes, and you probably remember doing it as a child, if you close your eyes and just start jumping up and down and try to jump in the same place, you can't do it. You'll start shifting. You know what I mean? And for you know it, if you just keep jumping real wild and just have and start enjoying yourself, you may open your eyes if you don't run into some run into some shit. You may open your eyes like if you're in an open field and you be a good distance from where you started. You know what I mean? If you start walking and just talking with somebody, if y'all not on a trail, y'all could easily end up way off a point from where you started just from walking. And it's the same thing because a lot of times when we start shifting or our direction start changing, we don't really pay attention to it. And we'll feel it, but if you if you if you are focused on it, you can kind of shift. You can tell when you make a footstep or you have a footfall that it shifted you off your line. And it was funny because I was testing, it and I could actually feel that when I was walking down. And when we got down, I looked. That's I'm exactly where I wanted to be, pretty much. And, and you know, it just. But if I was just doing regular walking, even if I'm trying to walk in a straight line, but I'm still walking uh, with my feet parallel to one another, you really can't do it. It's, you can do it, you probably can do it, but it's very difficult to maintain um, 
that, you know, a straight line. It's very hard to do. And we talked about that before, too. And like in walking out generally, one person had one leg is shorter than the other leg, which causes people to walk in circles or when they have to travel over great distances. Um, so it's the same thing. If one of your legs is slightly, you know, even if it's like point some millimeter difference in, in, in length, then that's going to be a lean. That's going to be a left lean, or you're going to be, if your left leg is shorter, you're going to be, ten, you're going to have a tendency to, to arc, you know, uh, angle off to the left or angle off to the, you know, uh, or to the right, depending on which leg is longer or shorter. But it was just funny, you know, in, in, dealing, in, in saying that, uh, the, the, it lends back to the importance of having a compass when you're in the field, uh, having taken the time to, uh, you know, acknowledge your position on earth. And a lot of times people don't do that. That's how people get lost. They'll start, you know, you see people do it in the, um, uh, going into Walmart or going into the grocery store. People come out, where the fuck I parked? You know what I mean? Because if you're not paying attention to you know, you, where you are on the planet, you know, even if something simple as going into the store, you focus on what you want to get, you'll forget where the hell you started. Or you come out there and everything looks the same to you. And you're just in the parking lot with, what, eight, nine, ten, ten lanes or something like that, ten rows. But you can't see your car because there's a whole bunch of cars that look like your car, and there's a whole bunch of cars that are taller, shorter, just like rocks and trees in the field. And you can't really see your tree. You can't see your rock. Um, so you have to kind of take the time and take the, uh, take a moment to, to uh, know where you are before you begin. And maybe that even transcends, you know, field, and field craft and stuff like that. We need to think about that in our everyday life when we wake up in the morning. We need to maybe do an assessment. Where are we in this world? And where we want to go, and how if we want to come back to this point, how do we get back to this point? What steps do we need to take? What note? What information do we need to jot down in our heads and our minds so that we have a reference point for when we return? I.e., when you leave leaving Walmart, you're going into Walmart, and you see the little sign that Walmart got numbers up there to say row eight, row seven. You know, but you don't, most people don't even look at that. They just start walking toward the door. In the midst of going into the store, they forget. But anyway, that's just one thing on compass. I just wanted to um, run past that. What I wanted to talk about, if y'all, for those of y'all who are online, I know Henry, you probably not gonna be able to see it, but I shared it into the group. How many people on the phone? It ain't that many of us. How many people online right now? Uh, five. I mean, online on the computer. Actually, on the computer. How many people on the call are on the computer that's right it. now? Just you and I. Okay. And what I mean, and let me let me let me let me clarify that even further. How many people on their phone right now can search can can web surf can surf while they're on the phone? Yeah, that's still just you and you and myself. Uh, I guess so. Nobody else is uh, coming in on that. So. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm trying to. I'm gonna put the link in the box. Uh, here, let me put it. Let me just go ahead and put it up here. Fuck it. Uh, I'm gonna put it on Facebook or something. That's. I'm about to put it in the. Uh, oh yeah, put it. Um, I'm putting it in the little box where we at. I don't know how they can. Um, yeah, put. I guess put it in A group or put it. Yeah, I put it in the A group or because that's how they'd be able to see it best. I don't think you can see this box from that phone. Fred, are you on your computer? Can you get on? Can you get online, Fred? Because this is this 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 is uh related to you. Okay, what you want to go? 
pull it up. I want you to go to federal federal uh, federal ammunition. It'll say federalpremium.com. Just type in federal ammunition. I got this connected. What's it? Oh no, okay. Thought I got this. I thought it booted me again. You see that link I put up, T? Mm-hmm. I've got it pulled up. Okay. I'll wait to uh to Fred or at least somebody else that they got it, then I'll start telling you what I want to say about it. Now I'm gonna find okay. another link. Yeah. I got this in my downloads. All right, dude, I got it up. You got it up? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred, go to, are you on a ballistic calculator? So, uh, go, um, hold on one second. Take a second where to go. Um, Fred, do go when you're on the page. Uh, go to the look on there on the link because I made the actual uh, look on look on the page, Fred. If you're on the main page, which you probably are, look on the main page and, and look up ballistic calculator. It's under education. Go under education. You see products education. Yeah, I, I got it. And you see the ballistics calculator. Mm-hmm. All right, now arrow down to where you see the point where you input data. Okay. All right. Um, let me show you one more. Let me get one more thing before we start there. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put this other image that I'm sharing. I'm gonna put this in the, uh, on the RENA page. This is gonna be the second image we're gonna look at, but I don't feel like uh, trying to tell y'all uh, how to go look at it. So I'm just gonna put it here for you. When I when you see this link come up, tell me. Click on the link and see if you can. Uh, okay, I see it came up. Mm-hmm. I, I just put it in the RE page, and I'm about to put it on the A page. Okay. So Fred, if you can, uh, Fred, if you can uh, go to Facebook, uh, if you can open another tab and see Facebook at the same time, um, do that for me.
And um, Henry, I know you can't see it, but I'm going to leave that up there, and we'll just talk about it. You can take a look at it later. You might already know the material, but um, something I want to go through, uh, I want to talk about anyway with everybody just to make sure people clear. What? No, my computer's being stupid. Let me know when y'all see both of those links. Uh, I see it on uh, on R. Fred, let me let me know when you see it too, Fred. Is it? Did it come out real small for y'all? Because it's looking small. To yeah, me. it's really small. But you can. Um, God damn it! Hold on. One click second. on the and what you could do is you can click on the image, then hit Control, and with your scroll with your mouse scroll up and it'll enlarge in the image, but it's real, real fuzzy. I wonder why it came out like that. I'll tell you what. I'm going to fix that problem. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, <coughs> I'm going to use my, uh, 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 the little thing where I can, uh, snap, snip it, what they call it. Mm-hmm. Snipping tool? Yeah, I just snipped it. While I'm doing this, uh, just to throw something else out there, did you see, um, did y- y'all see the day where Obama was uh, officially uh, accused Russia? Yeah, I mean, he came mm-hmm. out and they had, they, they had to force him to do that. Uh, and I find it strange that today, you got a lot of interesting stuff going on in the world. You got um, uh, China took one of the U.S. drones that they say was just out doing research in international war. And I know Henry can't talk about that, but... Um, Then you got him for the president to come out and make that statement is 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 really kind of serious, because um, first of all, I don't believe it's true no kind of way, and um, I'm sure a lot of international bodies probably don't. You know, it's it's like it's this thing to it, you don't never know what they're doing. You don't know what they're doing now. Like, you know, just to put that in the in the minds of Americans that you know something that that Russia. Who what's what's Russia real benefit in hacking the U.S. election? And then they didn't say they hacked the election. Obama's exact words were that they they hacked the DNC, um, uh, Hillary's account, not the election. But that's how people gonna see it. That's how CNN is gonna post it. When you start saying stuff like that, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous because um, you know they're going somewhere with it. And then uh, Obama. Um, uh, supposedly, he made. They got on CNN that he uh, he told uh, Russia stop or else. That's a uh, that that that's a that's a, in a sense is a passive threat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then imagine if if you you know if you Putin and he talking about he you know the, the way they worded it is like they trying to they trying to um, they want to start a war with Russia uh, or China, either one, either which way we can go. And it's, 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 uh, I, don't, I don't think it's the will of the people, but the thing is to try to bring the people on board, to bring people on board with that, you know, with, uh, you know, more conflict and more war, because that's, that's more business. But I, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. And then that happens right after Russia officially announced that they pretty much destroyed the uh, ISIS in, um, in Aleppo. Aleppo. 
just, I was just looking at a video from that. It's pretty, uh, pretty heartbreaking for the civilians. Why do you say that? Uh, there was just a video um, where they, uh, the journalist was just in the hospital, like in the hallway, and kind of following this one mom who um, was in the apartment building that um, got bombed. She said they were just all asleep. Everybody was asleep. And so I think her, her neighbor from upstairs, and this one little boy, like the only survivors of that particular building. And Who bombed? Little boy. Hmm? Who bombed them? So the report says it was either bombed by, um, what did they say, Russia or Syria. That was the uh, that was the interesting thing. There wasn't even any cut. So, okay, which is it? You know what I mean? Like they can't tell who's it's doing bush, what. It's, so it's, bush it's just the the people on the ground are just basically going through all this stuff, and and nobody nobody they're they're just going through it. They don't know. The reporter can't even say who did it. They just say they got bombed. It was either Russia or Syria. Who did it? And she lost. She lost everybody. Everybody lost everybody. Those the boy from upstairs is a teenager, but he was holding his baby brother who had basically who had basically suffocated, and um, the baby was probably you know a baby um, wouldn't let go of him. And the mom just was just the mom from downstairs was just who, like I lost was, all my the, kids. Who was, the, who was the journalist with? Uh, let me see if I can find it. Hold on, but you know civilian casualties are. Uh, Unimportant when it comes. I don't, to I don't think they have that many. I think I think a part of it that the whole program is to, of course, create that you know a certain level of propaganda because if somebody achieves a certain goal, I mean, if it's it's if it's typical military propaganda, um, just like. Well, this is the thing, though. You can't deny that Syria is basically Aleppo is basically toast. It's gone. I mean, even um, my um, my friend was who I danced with for years and years and years. Her family's from Aleppo, from a uh, from a neighborhood in Aleppo, and she was <laughs> she was taking pictures. Um, she had pictures of her neighborhood before and after, and it's just it's just everything is just gone. It's just devastating. Yeah, it's, they. I mean, they fought a war there. That's how it's gonna be. Um, who supplied but, the ter- Who supplied the terrorists with weapons and means? Right. But at the end of the day, terrorists, I mean, at this point, for the civilian, everybody's a terrorist, you know? I would think so. If you if you live in America and somebody attacked this country and they were, you know, um, killing the people and the United States government was fighting them, then you wouldn't consider your government a terrorist because uh, uh, you may, you're going to have casualties when you're fighting in the city. There's no way to avoid it. If civilians are in an area where the fighting is going on, they're gonna, the people are going to die. You wouldn't call your government a terrorist because uh, they may have accidentally fired artillery trying to hit some uh, terrorists, and it, uh, you happen to be coming outside. Or piece, even if they hit the terrorists with a piece of shrapnel flew 200 yards and cut your little kid head off, um, they're not terrorists because you wouldn't consider them that. You know, you have to look at who created the problem. Uh, well, and then it's, go ahead. It would be quick. Uh, it would be quick work to make a. To make a, a friend a foe, if you kill someone, if they're a family member, you know what I mean. Um, you could be active just to a, a lesser degree. Hold up, <coughs> excuse me. 
to a to a lesser degree what what we we're seeing. Hold on, I post that to Ari. Um, for example, what we see with uh, this election, right, and Trump and all these people who are for Trump, and then you know you have uh, the example of the coal miners who are kind of being left hung to dry. Um, you know, they're basically your friend until they're your enemy, until until something directly affects you in, in a negative way, and then and then you know. This no longer what you thought it was, and that's why I say at this point for civilians, um, everybody's a, a potential terrorist. From the moment that your home is destroyed, your children and family are killed, um, when you, your whole life's work is basically blown to bits, everybody's a terrorist at that point because you're not safe. I guess some people could, some people could view it that way. Um... I think the majority, and it's just me, and um, I, you know, and and not and not, not trying to be uh, anti-American or nothing like that. I think a lot of the stories, though, a lot of times you hear like um, the stories coming out of uh, these places. It's funny because they generally always one-sided. It's always they constantly MSN, CNN, they're constantly trying to, in my opinion, uh, they do it in every war. In in Iraq, remember they had the the white the girl was talking about the Olympics came in threw babies out the incubators. They do. They they run a, a civilians in distress or dire. Uh, uh, don't nobody care. Even the, even the lady on the U.S. I forgot who she was. Came out the other day talking about do none of this stuff move you. Um, the U.S. always like to position itself, the political structure, as though um, they are saviors. We are saviors, and you know these people need help. And then you always look. What's always peculiar that always strikes uh, strikes. A court with media propaganda is it's always the stories are generally the same, and um, they generally designed to like I say to appeal to the emotions of Americans who really don't give a shit about most Americans to be honest don't give a shit about their neighbors next door. So to to give a shit about Syrians or anybody else Africans or even other Europeans is not really real, you know. It, but the TV can is the power of the TV is that it can garner. Uh, it can, it, it's amazing the power of it because it can garner emotions and sympathies where people really don't have them. Um, and then it can take those emotions and sympathies and turn them into hate and a drive for war. Um, that's what they generally do. And then, you know, even on these stories, you got a little girl so-called blogging from Syria. That's obvious bullshit to me. Every, they put up signs, it's, it's in English. Um, stop the bombing. They, and, they, and even with that, it's stop the bombing, but... And then they, if you if you say stop the bombing, and then it's always mentioned that Russia bombing um, the terrorists, they never saying anything about stop the uh, uh, get rid of the terrorists, do something about the terrorists. It's always about you know it's it's if you know if you understand propaganda, you can see clearly for what it is. And even the stories of you know that come out of these so-called hospitals and stuff sometimes. Not to say yeah, uh, if you're in a war zone, there's going to be destruction, but um um. Um, even like I see guest nine is putting up some stuff right I saw the story that that girl the gentleman most of those kids stories and uh, even like they showed the kid that time they had so called blood on them somebody took the time to take a picture of them, um, and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff is just fabrication. And that's not to say the civilians don't get killed. Civilians will get killed in the war zone. The United States kills civilians in war zone, everybody kills. If you stay in a war zone, uh and it ain't always just the bad people. People some people just like in Katrina, people stay in their houses. Even when they know um, disaster, they face a disaster. And when you do that, if I see people going to be fighting up and down the street, I'm going to get the hell on. 
And then mm-hmm. if you listen to it, the people so-called not leaving the area because um, the terrorists are shooting people trying to leave. So they, they and the terrorists want to force the civilians to stay in and therefore to protect themselves from uh, from area bombing. And then, you know, you never hear about what the terrorists doing, just, you know, the Russian actions or the Syrian or the government. The government, the established government, the legitimate government actions are, are, are heavy-handed. You know, and, and it's crazy. The fact that, and, 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 and like, once again, not trying to be anti-American, and I'm going to stop it here so we can cover these other subjects, but the fact that America is openly supporting uh, uh, elements fighting the government is an act of war. That'll be, it'll be the same thing if Mexico or, 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 or China or Russia started uh, um, uh, supplying Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? And even though Black Lives Matter not fighting the government or, or, or if they started supporting uh, a patriot organization or, or a revolutionary organization, that wouldn't be deemed as a light thing. You're giving them toll missiles. You are promoting war. You're, you're prolonging war because terrorists, um, where are they getting the weapons from? Where are they getting, where are they getting their, their meetings, you know? You know, and it's all, it's, it, the whole conflict is a result of foreign intervention. It's not, you know, even though there can always be people who are going to be against the government. There are people in America against Trump, and white and black. There are people in America against Obama. So it's always going to be out of, uh, opposition. Every every country, every nation has uh, 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 people who are in opposition to the people in power. It's always mm-hmm. going to be. But you don't go start supplying those people with weapons. But that's what they've always done. Exactly. They've so always- anything that comes out of it, though, is your... The people who supply, if you supply people with weapons to fight the government, then that's an act of terrorism. The U.N. has been quiet about that. The other day, the U.N. had a big statement about North Korea doing the simulated attack on the South Korean um, compound, president compound. And then, but they made a big up to do about that, but they haven't said not one single thing about the United States, Turkey, and God knows who else supplying weapons to so-called moderates in the country, they are creating a human catastrophe. Because if the people that had a weapon, the government would have easily been able to knock them out and neutralize them, just like if a group started up in the United States. If you don't have uh, a, mili- a major military power supplying you with arms, you're not going to be able to sustain that long. You're not going to be able to do it. So the people who supply the people who created chaos are the ones who are truly enemies of the people. And they got to be fought. They got to be fought so an order can be reestablished, which eventually we're people going to die as a result of it. They're just the nature of the game. They're just the nature of the game. But anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to detract too long, and I, I, I didn't mean to. Um, I didn't mean to dive off into that. But I think you know we have to be careful because we have to. Um, we have we just have to be careful about you know we have to if you go back uh it, it's uh, there's another video I'm gonna put on um I'm gonna put on uh I'm put on the page once you know like the United States had a it, there's an excellent documentary and I think we talked about it before called Hearts and Minds uh when they was talking about in Vietnam you know some of the psychological programs they ran there and they do they run the same psychological programs there but they even ran it in Panama when the United States invaded Panama you saw some of the same stories. They were talking about the Panamanian Defense Force were raping white women or, or had you know, just uh, the threat of white women in danger or foreign women and children um, being savagely killed and stuff like that. 
anything to draw the sentiment of American viewers who are very TV oriented uh, is is good, and it's not good because they they don't do it because they care. It's, it's good for war. It's good for war, and the whole thing about like you know, in in um. The whole thing about Syria, Syria was a gateway to Iran, which was a gateway to uh, um, Russia. And, you know, it's just funny. It's even, even when it comes to Trump, and the last thing I'm going to say on that, um, I know it's funny because you see the same thing happening, no matter the powers that be switched up either which way they want to go. Uh, if Hillary had gotten in office, then there was going to be a push to go to war with Russia. Uh, Trump is in the office, and now he's already, now they, they, his angle is fighting China. So you see the whole thing. Now they got this story. Right now, you got probably got a lot of people up in arms in the country because so-called China took uh, a U.S. submersible, uh, and they mad about that, of course. And, of course, they say it was in international waters off the coast of China, of course. They're international waters off the coast of the United States, but you don't see China and Russia selling around our fucking waters. Um, and I'm sure China or Russia pull up a vessel off the Gulf Coast or off the coast of New York, that the United States military would come out there and, and see about them and even, you know, fuck with them a little bit to get them to, you know, to lead the area. That's how that shit go. Um, they're not just going to let you lord out their coast, even if you're in international water. Most nations are not going to let you just lord it there, you know, unaccosted. They're going to accost you because, you like you, you, you know, just like standing too close to a hornet's nest. They're going to let you in. No, we don't like you around. We don't care if you ain't attacking us. We don't know why you're standing this close and you represent a clear and present danger. Um, the, um, you know, it's, it's, the, the story is always the same. But anyway, going back to um, this link, y'all, and I hope, oh, crap. Hold on one second, y'all. I might have closed the page. Everybody still here? Yep. Yeah. All right. Crap. Hold on, y'all. This thing pissed me off. Hold on. I closed the uh, little side page, and I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying to see if it's going to come back up. I'm on the phone, but I accidentally closed the page, trying to close something else. And hopefully it don't, kick, it don't terminate our call. Hello? Yeah, everybody here? Yeah, I'm Randy's um, Randy's yeah. typing. Randy types, and he said, uh, he said, Russia didn't hack anything. Hackers always use Russia servers. Aleppo was evacuated. Only the militant and sympathizers stayed. Those propaganda stories are designed to appeal to women's and motherly emotions. The Bana Alabet girl video will prove it to be fake. Her IP is based out of the UK. These terrorists, those are freedom fighters. Americans okay. supported them in the Ukraine also. Also supported the Turkey coup. The power that couldn't be... The power that be didn't calculate Russia entering the scene. The island changed the coast. Okay. That's Randy, right. I believe. Okay. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to leave that alone for a minute. We're going to go to what we were dealing with. Um, uh, Fred, you still here? Yeah, I'm still here, 
All right, I'm, yeah. I'm about to load this picture, and we're going we gonna to deal with this picture first, and we're going to go to the ballistic calculator. And, Timmy, you can remind people while I'm doing this, uh, what, what, you know, uh, where the links are if they can't see it. So, um. Okay. Oh. <coughs> Sorry. That's all good. Did you upload a new image? Um, it's up. It's uploading right now. I'm putting it in the A page, and I'm dropping it in the RE page. Okay. It's in the A page now. Now it's coming to the RE. You know in a second. Okay. I'll just put it in the chat too. We just lost a whole host of people all at once. Can y'all can y'all see it now? I just dropped the picture, uh, the picture on the uh, RU page and the A page. Mhm. <coughs> all right, and I just I just used this picture because it was like one of the closest things to explain the situation. Uh, here's the thing, when um. I've been stressing to y'all, you know, like on the A page and our private talks, like, you know, it's just my opinion and something I would like for the group to do. If, you know, if people, everybody's free to do what they want to do. But um, I think it's essential if you have a rifle to have a scope. When we're dealing with AR-15s and 556, five, um, most people probably got 16-inch barrels. Some of y'all got um, barrels that are um, shorter than that. And I think about a week or two ago, I put up a link showing, uh, it was a military link, a study that they did. I think it was NAVSEC or one of them, and they were showing how even that 77-grain OTM uh, load and even some of your standard 55-grain loads, but actually um, they did a study trying to see how effective or what is less effective, uh, you know, out of 10 short barrels and stuff. I'm on the phone, baby. Ask your mom. Hold on, y'all. Ask her. But um, the when when it comes to AR-15 systems, uh, or rifles, I think it's always good to have some kind of optic on there, uh, and generally some type of magnifier optic. We know a lot of people like to run red dots. I know Fred, y'all got a couple of them. I got one or two red dots. Uh, well, I really just got one now. I got it on the shotgun of all things. But um, if you really get out and you really start looking at um, a shit hit the fan situation, um. The further you can project force, just like uh, kind of what uh, a man was talking about when they were doing near far ambushes, the further you can keep a force away from you, the better. Uh, a lot of training or fighting styles today, people, um, you know, you see people doing all these close quarter tactics, and, and they do that because they think it look cool when you see Navy SEALs do it, Delta Rangers, I mean, uh, Delta Forces, Rangers, or, you know, whoever, some ODA team, all that kind of stuff. It look cool when they show, you know, show them doing that, but really, I always consider a close fight a fair fight, and that's the last thing you ever want to be in because the reason I consider a close fight a fair fight because you got a great y'all both of y'all got equal chances you and the enemy of killing each other or seriously injuring each other. So, and number one, as civilians and shit, the fan situation, we don't want to be number one. We don't want to be out fighting with people. That's not that's not gonna, that shouldn't be an objective for people, uh, not sensible, intelligent people. Um, 
But if you have to, what you want to do is always have information that you can use because we talked about that before because information is key to survival. You want to have, once you have the information you need, you want to have um, systems that you can um, process that information uh, through. If you got, if you know you got some people who are hostile to your to 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 what you're trying to do or hostile to your well-being, and they all you want to be able to spot them before they get close to you, and then you want to have the tools to send them a message or deter uh, them as best as possible from a distance before they can get in range to start working you. So that's why I think optics are very important. Uh, and on top of that, you know, it's I consider optics. You know, it gives us it turns out, you know, a weapon system into a management tool instead of just something that you, you know, in a sense, bare knuckle brawling with pound for pound, man for man, toe to toe. You can reach out and send, you know, and, and, and like I say, deter aggressions at range. And if you got a good weapon system and a good good optics, you can deter it, you know, you can uh, send a message and keep people outside of, you can keep your enemy outside of, your. Uh, you can keep their fire uh ineffective by keeping them, you know, out distance them, you know, shoot so far, you know, keeping them so far out that even if they do try to shoot back or return fire, they can, um, they can, um, um, they can't do anything about it because, um, um, they out of range. So optics are very important. Scopes are very important. Then when you, when you, when you, when you buy scopes, I saw somebody on another forum today, um, I just saw a post uh, uh, pop up. I didn't. I don't comment on this. Another gun group somebody added me to. I just saw it come up. This guy uh, put a picture up saying, "Is anybody know anything about this scope?" And it was a cheap ass Nastar scope. It had a red dot, a cheap uh, sight mark red dot on it. it. Had a flashlight or something on it, or a laser. It had all these little. It was just a little cheap, crazy looking scope. And of course, somebody told him right. Uh, they were like it's garbage, and I didn't. I didn't pay any attention to it after that statement. But you got to get the right equipment. You got to get the right, you know, um, you got to get the knowledge to go along with it, too. And like Fred could tell you, we can go out there. People think, oh, I'm going to buy a nice scope, just go put on a rifle, zero, and then we're done. But most ranges, you know, it's a lot of things that a lot of access, once again, that civilians, a lot of uh, needs that are not meant for civilians when it comes to ranges because, um um, they don't. They don't have. They don't have access like people in the military or law enforcement might have. Uh, here in Georgia, being a gun-friendly state as it is, you don't have uh, the only outdoor range in the, in the entire Atlanta area that's accessible to the public is the one we go to, which is Charles Elliott, and the farthest they got is a hundred yards. Well, if you take a hunting rifle or a high-powered rifle and you generally zero those at a hundred yards, then you can't even confirm your zero. You can't. And what I mean by confirming uh, zero on your rifle is when you take your when you zero on your rifle, and just for Timmy, for y'all, uh, for uh, since you might not know, uh, when you zero on your rifle, all you're doing is uh, setting your a, tra- a trajectory point where um, once you pull the trigger, if you pull the trigger, if you set a hundred yards for instance as your zero, then once you fire. Um, once you fire that that round, uh, your bullet is going to hit exactly in that spot. It should have hit exactly in you know within that general spot every single time at that distance. Well, once you kind of know your hundred yard zero, you can go get ballistic data from companies, you know, farm companies, or you can just you know do your own ballistic research if you got a long enough field to confirm your zero. And let's say um, I'm sure before we let's see how should I how should I put that. Um, certain bullets, like, and we're gonna look at we're gonna look at uh, 
let's go let's go to the federal premium site. You with me, Auntie? Fred, y'all with me? I'm a, I'm gonna go here and then we're gonna come back. Okay. Yeah, when we go to the uh to the ballistics page, for the people who don't know, we're going to we on the federalpremium.com um and we went to the ballistic calculator on the uh on that page. So we'll give y'all a few minutes for the new people who won't. But if you go to federal uh www federal like the ammunition federalpremium.com and then, you know, forward slash ballistics calculator, you go to the education page and then you go to the ballistics calculator. Um Everybody let me know when they get there. Anybody who's going, if everybody already going, <laughs> everybody there, mm-hmm. just let me know. I'm give like uh, I'm give everybody about ten seconds to find that, then I'll I'll, I'll can carry on. Okay. All right, T, I'm not I can't see uh the box anymore, so if anybody typing in messages, let me know. I'm assuming everybody made it there. Um, Fred, you still there, right? T you there? Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. Um and I'm on I'm gonna address some of the stuff I'm seeing, uh number nine say in a few seconds. Uh who is number nine? Right. That's Randy. I think that's Randy. Did you did you see what he wrote? I, I'm seeing something pop up, but I don't see everybody anymore. I got a blank box. It didn't give me the box back anymore when I closed it. Oh, okay. oh I see. yeah, it doesn't do that. It doesn't repopulate. So Randy said, uh, uh, I guess. It was Are you sure confirm this, Randy? Confirm this, Randy, that you're talking about. Let's confirm who number nine is. He Just did. So make... I think he. Oh, he did. I think he did. Oh wait, unless he was saying yep about something else. I can't remember if I was on mute or not. Is that Randy? No, he's not Randy. Who are you? I think it's Clarence. Oh, okay. That is Clarence. Okay. All right. Welcome to the call, man. All right. We're we going to uh, the federal premium site. If you go down to the ballistic calculator, if you arrow down a little bit, uh, T and Fred and whoever else who's there, do y'all see where it says units of measurement? Use units of measure. Mhm. You see it? Yeah. All right. You see where they got it? Just the imp- the place where you input data. All right. And uh-huh. yours says yours says imperial, correct? Everybody is. Oh, the default setting is imperial. Yeah. It all says imperial. All right. All right. Then you go on down. They got uh, ammunition inputs. Uh, go to what it say load type. Just type factory load. Select factory load. Then for caliber, select uh, 308 Winchester. Once you've selected 308 Winchester before uh, caliber, uh, go when it says bullet type, uh, select go in there and uh, select Sierra Match King Bolt BTHP. 
Once you do that, go down to bullet weight and then uh, type in 175. Mm-hmm. All right, and the rest of it, it should populate something. When you put that information in, it's going to um, populate the uh, ballistic coefficient, the muzzle velocity, probably from a 26-inch barrel. Uh, the zero range, uh, which is firearm setup, uh, sight over height, we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it like that at one and a half inches. We should probably be, that's not from an AR, it'd probably be two, but we'll leave it at one and a half right now. Uh, zero range, we're going to leave it at 100 yards. Uh, environmental inputs, we don't really have to change much from that. Uh, wind speed, uh, we leave it at 10 miles an hour range. Increment per yard, five, uh, 50 yards. Uh, maximum range. Wait, go down to where it says maximum range and put 1,000. Change 500 to 1,000. Mm-hmm. And then calculate? Yep, then hit calculate. And it generated you a chart. Did y'all see the chart that it generated? Mm-hmm. All right. If you can, yeah. do you have you got snipping on your computer, uh, T? Yeah. Well, do I have snipping? I don't know if you can snip the whole thing. You might have to snip it in two pictures. Fred, or do you did you do did you follow with that, Fred? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm on it. Uh, did you, are you, are, do you, do, are you with us on the, on the calculations? Yep, I am. I'm on the, you know, I got everything up. <laughs> okay. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, when we fire, uh, uh, when we fire, um, around, like you can, once you, once you, uh, once you get a good scope or you, you get a decent scope, uh, um, you're going to have to, uh, there, there are several parts to, to being, being able to shoot well, especially long range got to have a good gun. And when I mean uh, a good gun, a lot of times you'll see a lot of people in competition that use bolt action rifles. They are, uh, it's a term y'all might want to write down and we ain't got to get into in depth about what they call uh, uh, blueprinting your rifle. Uh, most factory rifles are not blueprinted. And what that means, the, uh, the bore and the barrel are not exactly, I mean, finely tuned in line. There's a slight, there may be a slight, uh, uh, I mean, you know, we're talking about thousands of an inch difference in the alignment of the barrel. And a lot of times when people are doing long-range precision shooting, um, they'll get their barrels blueprinted. And I, I forgot how much it costs. It might cost $100-something, 100, uh, maybe even $200, but it's somewhere around there. And what that does, it makes sure the barrel is within a very fine alignment to, you know, to the breech or to the, to the, uh, to the receiver. So, I mean, they like almost perfectly aligned because it's going to help your shot be, you know, in a sense, truer. Um, so that's one thing when it comes to long-range precision. You've got to get a good rifle. Generally, uh, you know, if, when, when it comes to accuracy, you need a, a heavy barrel because we talked about that before. The heavy barrel is going to keep uh, the barrel from uh, uh, being so subject to, to uh, uh, temperature, temperature differences. Like, as you, as you start putting out a lot of rounds, the barrel is going to get hot. You got a thin barrel, or, 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 or you know what, like they call them pencil barrels. You're gonna start having some accuracy drop off because 
uh, the barrel is, you know, it's going to, it's going to heat up a lot faster and it's going to retain the heat. So it's going to be more uh, subject to warp and not technically warp, but the harmonics and a lot of different things are going to be thrown off by it. the heavy barrel just tends to, in general, um, um, be more rigid. So it is, it, it's, it's heavier. So it's in a sense more rigid. So it's, it's less, su- somebody about somebody coming in. Um, I'm hearing something, but I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I hear it, but it's like back up. Anyway, um, seems like it's coming from my end. But how could that be? What? Uh, oh, it's on the, I need to go to the RE page. Hold on. I'm trying to post the chart to the RE page. Let me do an audio test. Testing, testing. Testing. Seems like it's coming from my end. I don't know what it would be. I'm kind of echo. Let me see. Do y'all, do y'all hear that? Yes, it's you. It's your, you're echoing. Why would that be? Mm-hmm. I haven't done anything different. Mm-hmm. Give me one second and see if I can remedy this. Uh. See. Yeah. Crap. Hold on. Okay, you should need it. Like everybody who's on the call. Let me try something right quick, because I don't I don't know why I'm doing that, because I can't, uh, I haven't changed anything. I took it out of speaker, and um, it's doing it either way. Like, Hey, T, can y'all hear me? Mm, uh-huh. I can. 
Can anybody else hear me or just me? They should be able to hear you. Okay. I think everybody's just on mute. I don't know why this is pissing me off. Anyway, when we go, let's go. Let's just try to work through this thing. Um, okay, so we generate, you saw the, You see the data that we generated uh, from the ballistics calculator, correct? Mm-hmm. I posted it on the page, too. So. Okay. So this what this is showing you. Like a lot of times you go into the you go into the store, you buy if you buy like cheap or a, a range ammo or plinker ammunition, if it doesn't give you data as far as your bullet drop and stuff like that, then that's always one of the little, you know, like tips of knowing that you just buy some, you know, some cheap ammunition. Um any kind of quality ammunition is generally going to give you, maybe out to, sometimes it'll give you, if it's pistol ammunition, it may give you uh, stats out to like 100, 150 yards. If it's uh, like a high-end brand of pistol ammunition. A lot of times people don't see that on the ammunition box because they buy, you know, they buy the cheapest stuff they can find. Um, rifles may give you out to 300 yards, and, you know, I, I don't know if any of them go beyond that, but they'll give you um, information on a drop of your bullet. And what we did, we took one of the most common rounds, uh, like the federal, uh, some of the top ammunition, most accurate, you know, factory ammunition that you can get is uh, federal, uh, uh, what is the gold medal match ammo? And normally that ammo uh, for the 308 caliber is 175 grains, and they use Sierra Match King boat tail hollow points uh, for for the load. So that's why we chose you know the Sierra Match King round, and we chose that weight that we chose, and we put this you know we input the data. And what this is, anytime you're going to shoot long range. If you don't make the discovery yourself, if you don't go out, like, you know, if you don't have this chart of you dealing with some ammunition where you don't have, where the manufacturers have not put out the data, have done the testing themselves, then you got to go out and find out for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a tedious process, you know, on what your bullet is different doing at different ranges. And like I was saying earlier, one of the uh, limitations civilians have is that most of the time you can't shoot beyond 100 yards. So even if you zero at 100, uh, let's say you bought a box of ammunition, like we bought this. Let's say we bought this box of ammunition, and then we went and got the data off the page and saw, okay, how should my ammunition be performing? It's telling you from the data that you put in at uh, zero yards, uh, like at the muzzle of your gun, pretty much. When you fire that that round, it's going to rise 1.5. It's going to drop 1.5 inches. You know what I mean? It's going to be 1.5 inches. Not that it is actually dropped, but your sights are 1.5 inches over the bore. So it's going to be at really like at zero point. Cause, and that's when we go back and look at that picture, that other picture that's on um, that we put on the RE page where your sight is generally, um, your sights are in line, but your sights are somewhat, your barrel, even though, I, you know, they made it real dramatic, showing the barrel is til- tilted up, and they're showing you that the, the sights are, are pretty much, you know, uh, parallel uh, to that measurement line there. There's a, there's a slight deviation and where your sights are, the angle in which you're looking through your sights, and the way the uh, your bore axis. So your sights generally at zero points. Your sights are 1.5 inches over the bore. So when you pull it, when you pull the trigger right at the muzzle, your shot. If you were to put a piece of paper right at the tip, you know, even like let's say one or two inches from your muzzle, and you fire, and it, you know, or you put a board there, that bullet. If you were to measure where your sights are. And exactly where that bullet impacted, it'll be 1.5 inches low because your sight, that's the deviation between your sights and where your actual barrel was. Um, 
when we go back to uh, looking at this chart that the federal uh, uh, generated for us, it said you got the drop, you got the range from zero to a thousand, you got the drop in inches, uh, you got wind drift. We, we sh we're not going to focus on wind drift so much right now, but then they give you the velocity and how much energy uh, uh, in foot pounds that that round is producing. You go out to 50 yards, it's uh, a tenth of an inch still, it's, it's about a tenth of an inch low. Uh, you go out to 100 yards where you zeroed it, it should be coming right, your bullet should be coming right on line with your sights because you zeroed your gun you, uh, to your sights. So your sights were set to a point where your bullet would impact at, you know, at whatever point you decided, which was 100 yards. Uh, as that bullet passes beyond 100 yards and get out to 150 yards, it's dropping 1.4 inches. So if you had a target set up at 150 yards, that bullet would impact 1.4 inches low. At 200 yards, it's going to be 4.4 4 .4 inches low. Uh, you go all the way up to 4. Let's go up to 500 yards. At 500 yards, that bullet is going to be 62 inches low. So mm -hmm. if you 62 inches, how many feet is that? 12 inches in a, in a foot. It's going to be your bullet is going to be impacted 5 feet low at 500 yards. So what, and not trying to get, to, I just want you to, you know, mainly for y'all to, I know some of the guys, if they saying something on the page, let me know because I can't, you know, I can't answer that question or, or respond to it, T. But um, this is something that you need to understand. This is why a chart is important because if you're going to, if you've got a good scope, then you need to know, you need to have data, what they call, you know, dope. You need to understand, uh, you need to have information, information on how your bullet is performing. And as you start looking at this, this chart, I want you to, you know, just examine it for a minute. I'll have y'all examine it just to see, especially you, Fred, since you got a 308, and since you find these lows, it kind of gives you an idea of what your bullet is doing. So if you were shooting out to, if we go up to 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards with that bullet low, how 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 much drop are we going to have on that um, 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 bullet, T? What was the yardage you just said? 1,000. To four hundred and nine feet. No, everything's in inches. So how many feet? How many feet is that? Uh, uh, we don't have to say for how, 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 What's that? What's that in feet? It's about thirty-four feet. So at, at, at one thousand yards, that bullet will drop. We have dropped thirty-four feet. Basically, it goes into the ground. Yeah, it was. And but if you got a good scope, you have to be able to compensate for that. You know what I mean, and that's what the scopes do. They 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 compensate for for uh, for a bullet drop. And if you go to a scope like, let me find a picture of one. So I can drop in there. See, ask them while I'm doing this estimate. They, if anybody got any question or anything they want to add to it, while while I'm, I'm pulling this up. Mm -hmm. If they still awake. I'm gonna have to walk back. I just walked out real quick. Hold on.
Clarence says, uh, use those elevation crosshairs. You say what? Use those elevation crosshairs. What does he mean? I mean, I, 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 what is he saying in particular? I don't know because I just I walked away and I was I didn't see when he oh. put that up. Can you speak up a little bit? I think. Oh, you can't hear me? Hello? Yeah, now uh, I can hear you. No. Yeah, oh, we can okay, hear you okay. now. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess it was my speakerphone. I know, I was just saying use the uh, elevation crosshairs. Like on the scope, mm-hmm. you have a scope with the crosshairs, the elevation at like 200, 300, 400 meters. You kind of line up instead of the center mass when you go up. And it automatically kind of adjusts the scope for you. Or adjusts the angle with a gun for you. Yeah, and and if you if you in certain scopes like um, I'm trying to put one up here, uh, a lot of your scopes gonna have uh, when you're dealing with precision scopes, they either gonna have uh, what they call MOA reticles or they're gonna have um, mill reticles. Um, and generally, if you get an MOA, you want an MOA reticle and an MOA. You know, uh, if you got target turrets, um, you either want to go with MOA or mills. Uh, you're going mill mill or MOA MOA. And what they do for you, like a lot of scopes, like a lot of AR scopes, um, like if you go look at something like Primary Arms, the ACSS, it has like a, uh, a in a sense, a bullet drop compensator. Uh, that's another type of uh, a scope that you'll have. A lot of people have, like on AR-15s, they'll run 1x6s and uh, 1x4s, and um, Primary Arms even came out with a 1x1 um, a one through 8. Uh, those kind of like do those scopes. A lot of people like them because they can kind of uh, convert them between a uh, not really convert them. You can run them down to one power, and it'll be like a red dot. You know, what I mean, it's a magnified scope, but it's kind of it's small enough where you can kind of um, treat it like a red dot on people, even though it's not a true red dot. It'd be like either a chevron or either a horseshoe. Um, and the the, the subtensions will be so small you really can't see them. But if you run it down to one power, it's just like using a red dot on people. But you can run it back up to six or eight to take you out to range where you can actually see the subtensions. And generally, it'll have it. Those are kind of cheap for you. They have some like they'll be they'll range out from 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 um, zero to six hundred yards. Sometimes maybe eight hundred yards. On average, you'll be out to it'll take you out to about six to eight hundred yards. The disadvantage of those scopes is that you really don't have, like this image I'm about to drop on the page, you can't really truly do long-range shooting precisely uh, with those scopes. You can, now, just like you were saying with the iron sights, Clarence, uh, if you study, if you're in the military and you, got, you can go out on a, uh, at a 600-yard range or something like that, you can take your time and really learn how to, you know, work your your iron sights to kind of do, in a sense, what they call Kentucky windage, where yep. you're holding over people, uh, you holding over the target at certain points. But you know, like when you use an iron sights, you don't have any kind of uh, crosshairs or references. You just got, uh, you got to know how to work your real sight to adjust your elevation, or you, you know, in, on those military, on the older. Um, like the ones with the carry handle type uh object. Yeah, you could yeah, you could adjust the drop. Yeah. You know, you can and you can address it on the rear you can adjust your uh your 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 elevation and your windage. And on the front, of course, you know, with your front sight on the, on those sites, you you really adjust your ele your elevation with the front sight. 
um, because what you, you, you're working, even though you look like you, when you're looking down a rifle, you're looking straight down, but your sights are at different angles, and that's what a lot of times you're adjusting your elevation, you're adjusting the, when you're adjusting your front sight, you're adjusting your, your, your angle of, of, of viewing of that rifle. But when you, um, when you got, uh, uh, let me, I need to put these two images up so y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying like, like the angle that you have to move up to make that adjustment on like a 16-inch barrel at 500 yards isn't that much. Like it may even look straight like if you're looking, but it's not like it's not like you're shooting a mortar where it's like straight up like at a 40 or 30-degree angle. It's probably like a 10 to 15-degree shift, but it feels like yeah. you're shooting straight if you adjust your sight properly. But I, I bet you this, the average person, even, in, you know, a, a lot of soldiers, can't hit a person at 500 yards using iron sights. Well, we, and we, got, have we have to qualify at 300, and we have to qualify at 500. But it was a real big sight, though. It wasn't like no small little, small little dots, like a, a human-sized figure popped up in the hill. You had to kind of, like, shoot above it. You had to adjust your front sight and click it down a, a few times. And then you had, no, you had to click it up a few times, and then you just kind of, like, like, we had, like, a little technique, like, at 50, we would shoot at his chin. At 150, we would shoot center mass. At 250, one, at 150, we would shoot center mass. At 300, we would shoot at the top of his head. And at 400, mm-hmm. we would shoot above his head. And that was, like, our mm-hmm. little technique they gave us while we were going through, like, uh, you know, the, the basic training, you know, like the different places they hit at different ranges. Yeah. And we had, like, we had a range that went all the way out to 600 and had targets at, you know, 50, 150, 200, 300, 400, and 500 and 600. And that was like our little technique, like where to shoot. Well, basically, basically, yeah, we were, basically, we were Kentucky winning it based on the target. And, and that's and, and, and you're, you're exactly right. That's a lot of time when you like you doing it. I think uh, even uh, what's the guy named um, Travis Haley did a, 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 I think we shared somebody, I shared it, and maybe somebody else shared it too. He did a, uh, what you're talking about, he did a good video showing it, like when you get a, when you establish with an AR-15 iron sight, um, or even, uh, 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 it's, it's different with optics, but when, you, when you're when doing a 25-yard or 50-yard zero, then you're going to be, if you do a 25-yard or a 50-yard zero, you should be on in those ranges. You know well, what I mean? Down. We actually shoot down. Like, we actually aim a little bit lower, like at his chin. Like the 50-yard, you can see, like, the person's shoulders, and head, and if you shoot straight in the mass, you might go over them. Like if you're at like 50, so we would shoot like at his chin. So we shoot like a little bit teeny lower at the 50, center mass at 150, somewhat center mass, but a little bit high. Like I think it was like chin, stomach, chest, head, and then above head. It was like a little little thing they gave us. You know what I mean? Like the little, mm-hmm. the little you know little guy they gave us. So it was like chin. You know, chin, stomach, center mass, head, above head. And that was like a little little technique they gave us. Right. I'm gonna try to I'm I'm what I'm and I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm trying to find this um video that I kinda explain a little bit better for not not for you but for so people see what you're talking about. Um I know exactly what you're talking about. Because that's like 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 that's what that's like the biggest thing, like the a lot of people don't realize the the targets that were the targets that were the hardest were like the fifties because people would shoot center mass and always hit into the dirt. And the the fifties and the three hundreds were always the hardest targets to hit when people were you know, doing their qualification. People would always you'll see it too, like you shoot at the fifty, 
They go right in the dirt underneath of them. And sometimes you shoot at 300, you may not breathe properly when you typically hit that. And, and, and you know, if you got, if you got, and and and, too, and 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 not taking nothing away from that, um, if if you shooting at, uh, uh, if if you shooting at a, a, a stagnant target, the range, you might be able to hit them. And that's if that's if you don't have any wind. Uh, even if yeah. you got any kind of real gust of wind, is that's not going. You know, you got to. That's the hardest thing. That's one thing you can't compensate for. Uh, really, with iron sights, you know what I mean. You you can kind of. Unless you really know the wind and actually shoot in the wind, if you can kind of somebody go out there on like one day and you got a five mile an hour wind, y'all y'all run them same drills. See how much drift we get. You know what I mean? How how far is the round drifting? You know, if you're using the same round, a 55 grain load or 62 grain, 69 grain um, load, um, how much wind drift are we getting? If you don't have any wind and and you know pretty much, or you 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 facing the wind, um, or you got the wind behind you. You could kind of you you still should be able to see, but a lot of time when you when you got people, and I still it it's, it takes you know you don't have to have military training really the time and range to do it because the average person would not hit another human being at those ranges. You know what I mean? If you got to actually if y'all actually shooting silhouette targets of, of human silhouette targets at those ranges, and people pretty much qualifying, um, those that's pretty good because I know you know just from. From experience of seeing it, even you know, watching people who, um, um, well, most people though they always go to optics. But even looking at a human being at 500 yards, a person at at, at a human being at 100 yards, uh, and and we've done this just doing biometrics. We like set points on our fingers. A person, uh, a human being at at 100 yards is is no more than a few millimeters tall. You know what I mean? You'll see a person, but when you start ranging, they are very small. A lot of times with your with your um, with your front sight being your post, you'll have a human being Well, the front sight post can will cover the entire person. You know, unless you got no. Go ahead. Okay. Hello. Hello. Yeah. No, no, you no, went no, out. At, at three at three hundred, it would like three hundred. It would literally cover the target. At six hundred, it'd be bigger than a target. Sometimes we like file a, file a post down and give it like a little angle. Yeah, three hundred, it yeah. would. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is when you start looking at people at those ranges, it's very hard to see a person, and let alone I can't without optics. Uh, and like I said, if they if they doing it, if they and I understand what you're saying. A lot of times, if they got like those green men or those silhouettes that are larger than your standard human size, like even sometimes you see people in competition, they'll be shooting um, a thousand yards, and they'll say, "Well, we got a twenty-four uh, a twenty-four inch gong out there." But yeah. is it is is it twenty four inch true? Just is that, is that thing forty eight inches wide? Are you giving me the radius of uh, twenty four inches? You know what I mean? Because it looks mighty big at those ranges. And a human a human being at a thousand yards, uh, if you try to line them up with anything other than the scope, uh, you're not you're not gonna get that shot. Even when you when you're talking about five hundred yards or three hundred yards, like when you, like what you're saying, where a human the the entire front post is covering the person. Well, you can't even see them, let alone try to hit them in the chin or something like that, or in the chest. Um, that can that can prove quite difficult, and then win is almost impossible. But you know, I, I've seen, I know what you're talking about when they're talking about holding on people. But it's like, and I think that's that's the same point. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because to get into where we, where I was kind of going with scopes, 
that a lot of time we actually start. And I can't, I can't tell y'all or, or speak to you know what y'all did in the military uh, because I wasn't in the military. But uh, I know uh, what, one of the points that I was trying to convey, and, and before we get back into this, is that uh, until you really get out there, and not not you per se, but until people really get out there and start you know uh, working with 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 these tools and scopes and stuff. You really don't. You a lot of times you don't understand. It, it's hard to understand um, how different things are, and then and, and we really start looking at the size. Even like you know, I was thinking about when Fred and I was at the range um, when we was out there the other day. It was it was it was freezing cold, and we got these scopes. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, I, I know how to you know I, I know how to zero the scope. But then you know, like with these high precision scopes, uh, you got zero. Uh, you can set a zero stop. Uh, some of them got, um, you know, they got a lot of different features where you really can range out with them. I mean, they 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 awesome scopes when you really they really give you a lot for what they cost. But it's not something that you can just slap on the um, the rifle and then just go out and say I'm zero and I'm good. And now I should be able to shoot a thousand yards. But even 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 before, the, I guess one of the points or one of the things that I was trying to um, 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 discuss tonight was like, you know, you got to have your ballistic chart. Either you got to have the data or you got to go out and find the data for yourself or either you got to do like kind of like what you're saying clarence they kind of go out and when you if you got iron sights you kind of um what's the word i'm looking for with that you're kind of um i guess you're just kind of giving people the, the tips and tricks on, on on how to get certain things done uh with the very minimal i.e you just having um some iron sights and I found a video. I'm like, I'm about to post it again. We posted it before, I'm, uh It's speaking to what you were talking about, um, uh, Clarence. Travis okay. Haley did a video on that. But then, once again, even when you're watching this video, somebody can say, "Well, I can go out and uh, I'm gonna do a 25 yard zero. I'm good at 300." But can can you see your man at 300? Are you familiar with uh, those K and S sites, Clarence? Which one? K and S, like on my right, my AR-15. I, I replaced my front post. With um, uh, if you type in KNS K as in Kilo November Sierra, um, KNS sites they have uh these little thin um um uh, front sight posts that you can put on your AR, and I put that on on my long rifle so that I can you know because I know it's even at a hundred yards sometimes when you're looking at certain things or you you put certain silhouettes up you, my front sight was covering the whole target, you know if I put oh, my no. cube something like that you you see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I see. That's pretty interesting. That's something good. Uh, I even like, you know, uh, I got to put one on my pistol now. I, I had a knife. I had a, um, I had a front sight that had um, 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 night vision. You know, not um, night vision, but um, well, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. It had, you know, it was a, it was a night sight, Trishka night sight. But it's still, the post was too thick, and I found I made, uh, you know, when me it came down to the point where. I'd rather have a thin front post where I can kind of still keep a, a visual on my target than have my target, you know, than have a, a illuminated front post. And I think, you know, if, and that's just something that's a tip for people, who, you know, who have ARs. It might be a good I think, idea for y'all to, you know, switch your post out because that actually helped me shoot at longer ranges um, better because now I can see more of my target. Yeah. That's and they're relatively – go ahead, I'm sorry. Like we used to file it like like we used to like you know like the, the front post is square like especially when they were new uh-huh. it was square so we would kind of like take a file and like file it to like a a tip sometimes or maybe just 
run like a foul through the center just to give like a little notch in it to make sure that it was centered. But we would try to find like a center on it. Then we try to do a little notch, you know, to make it so you can see it a little bit better. But I kind of like kind of got accustomed to like just the, the front post, you know. Kind of like grew on me. Yeah. Excellent. Hold on one second. I like that that thin that uh. But that like is it pretty durable? Is it steel? The KNS? Yeah, it's uh, I, you know, I got the I got the thinnest one. Now, I did I, I had I had a set of them. I don't don't get the thinnest one because the thinnest one, even though it's strong, you know, if you um, if something going in jar, it can be bent. You know what I mean? Because I mean, you're looking at how thin it is. Um, so it it, it is it's not fragile, but um. You know, if, if it bump up against something, and something you know bend it because how thin it is, it it could you know technically could bend. It would be more subject to being damaged than than a square post. I would say that. But at the same time, adjustable? you got the elevation. I'm sorry. It's still adjustable for elevation. Yeah. Hmm. You just replacing the post. It go up and down. You know what I mean. You push the pin in and and and, and elevate. You know, down or up. Cool. It even helps it close. It even helps it close ranges too, because you know, like I say, you can see more of your target. We still got everybody else online. Team, we got everybody. I know this shit get boring. Uh, we got everybody. Well, every, the same same as earlier. Everybody's here. Everybody's on the phone. All right. Uh, Anita's not on the um, internet, and Frederick's not even. Fred's not either. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't you know we had the range. And then we got the red dot. It's basically like the cheap, uh, fancy, military-style red dot. It's basically like a 1X red dot. Nothing fancy, just a dot. Like something you can get cheap off of Amazon for like 29 bucks. I went, and, and I'm just being honest, I don't... Um... If if I was gonna buy a red dot, it, 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 there there's really just if I if I was gonna buy really a red dot, if you buy buying for shit to hit the fan, I won't buy a cheap one. Period. If I'm not buying, if if I was gonna buy one, it'd either be an aim point. Uh, the cheapest one I'll buy would be that Bushnell um, TRS um, because a lot of times it, 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 it you know like Sight Mark and all them Maxar and all them little electronics uh, UTG, uh, you just throwing away money because. Um, they just generally just don't work. And even if you if you go to the range, you put them on a rifle, it's so-called zero, your rifle at 100 yards is not going to hold it. And that's another thing about scopes. If your scope doesn't hold zero, if your scope doesn't track, your scope is useless. You know what I mean? If you're saying you're making a, um, a, a two-MOA adjustment and you're telling you, you put in the data to adjust your scope two inches and it doesn't adjust two inches, let's say it's just one and a half, what good is your scope? Then your whole scope is useless. Because it's not true. So any adjustments you make are not going to be accurate. So if they're not going to be accurate, your shot's not going to go where you intend them to go. And that's why really when it comes to scopes, when you start seeing, you know, how much scopes cost and how scopes cost are almost the same, or a lot of them, you know, like when you look at what the, you know, some of the military snipers and stuff using U.S. optics, night force, those two and $3,000 scopes. Yeah. Because they got excellent glass uh, clarity, and they actually they track 100%. You know what I mean? They work. They're durable. Um, but that's a lot of cheese to drop. Very rugged, too. Exactly. 
and in Even zero real good. And when y'all when y'all run them like what uh, I think the army they, they run those what Trigicon, um, and those are fixed four powers I believe. I don't know if the whole army used them. I know I, I've seen them. I've seen them uh, running around with them on. I've never seen them really using uh, aim points or nothing else. I think the army, well, from what I always saw when they were using uh, red dots, they were using those trigger guns. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, well, that's over thousand dollars. Use the sight, though, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Let me um. Did y'all see the the last the picture I put in Ari? Not of the um Oh the Ella the Windage? Yeah, the uh the scope, um the reticle I put in there. Uh-huh. I wanna sh- I'm I'm about to put another one in there too, just to show you some differences of what I'm talking about. My computer's slowing up. That's why I'm sorry. Yep, that's it right there. That video you posted. Yep. Stomach, neck, chin. Hello? Hello? Yeah, y'all give me one second. My little girl came in with a problem. I'm back. Um, that radical, let me click it again because I went down in the um, feed for some reason. Uh, like it. This is a type of radical uh, pretty much that you'll see like on a, a high quality, a high end scope. And this is like you notice, um, this is one of the Vortex 6x24 like Fred got on his. Uh, as an MRA reticle. Um, when you're dealing with, um, let me put this other picture too, but when you're dealing with um, scopes, they generally, uh, as I was saying earlier, they're going to have either some type of uh, bullet drop compensators, what they call a BDC, uh, that's going to already have your ranges, like they're gonna, it's going to have a whole points, like what you're talking about, Clarence. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look through the scope, it'll have a little hash mark saying 
Uh, if they're 200 yards, hold them at this rank. You know, hold it. You know, uh, you know, hold the uh, crosshairs here. If they're four, six, or whatever. You know, uh, if you know their range, then hold it there. Um, but that's the thing about bullet drop compensators. If you got a bullet drop compensator, then you got to know the range. You got to know. Uh, range oh, well, there was, most of them don't have no range finders, though, do they? Uh, a lot of people don't, but most, you know, if if somebody's, hold on one second. Trying to take this picture and send it to y'all. Yeah, that's true. People, most, people probably don't know how to the the to get a range either. Like we typically learn how to you know like to see something that you know kind of feel like okay that's a hundred, that's two hundred, that's mm-hmm. three hundred. But most people probably wouldn't even know like if that's three hundred, four hundred or not. But they probably wouldn't even know which notch to use. Exactly. That's why, like I used to uh, when I when I would do compass classes with people, we go out to uh, Arabia Mountain. They got like a, a wide expanse. It's probably about. Um, not on the mountainside, but on the opposite side. Shanita and them been out there with us, but uh, over by the lake, they got this huge expanse. It probably extends out maybe five or 600 yards. And what I would have people do, uh, we'll set up markers, and um, we'll have people go stand out, you know, at different ranges and keep moving them back. Because one of the uh, tips I try to get people to do is learn, like, find something on your body uh, that you could use to, uh, uh, you know, range people with. And just like set markers, like on your fingers. If you if you turn your hand like where your hand is facing you, and you look at uh, like your small, like your pinky or something, like if you able to turn your hand around. I don't know how much light y'all got in the room where y'all, are, but you'll see like little uh, wrinkles. Everybody got wrinkles or lines or little points on their hand. And sometimes you'll have horizontal lines, and or like you might can measure from the top of your uh, your finger uh, down to the first line. You know the first. Um, um, uh, fold point in your in, in your fingers, or sometimes you can look on the side and find just little points. We'll set people at a hundred yards, and we have somebody go back to two hundred, three hundred, just so we could. I call it just like establishing biometrics, some type of. Uh, and even if you have to use the back of your hand, just finding points on your body where you can like hold up in the air and look at that person, like from the, where their head to toe uh, meets some line or wrinkle on your hand. Or you, you understand what I'm saying? Well, you'll know how how tall they are. You can see, like, if you saw somebody at that range, you can just put your hand up and kind of like, oh, he's that, you know, use your finger or something as a as a point. Or you could take, uh, you could keep a little small, um, you can keep a small ruler uh, in your kit. You, I mean, it don't even have to be a, a hard one. You could take something uh, that got a lot of fine lines, like uh, on the metric system. You could take a smaller metric. Uh, one inch section of or uh, 25 uh, millimeter um, section of ruler uh, on a metric ruler and keep that. You could even you if you got a, like a magpul grip or something like that, you could cut that ruler off at at, at that 25 millimeter point or that one inch point and slide it inside your grip. So if you ever need to range something, you go out and have people like you have somebody who's six foot tall or somebody you know like a man of average height, you know five eleven, five ten to six feet. If you just kind of you had to go out and establish your own data, had that person stand at a hundred yards, then put your rule up in the air, and then say, "Huh, he's about, you know, two centi- five centimeters at a hundred yards. At two hundred yards, he's three centimeters. And you know, you know, you, you see what I'm saying? You just keep doing your own real life testing. You can keep that data with you at all times. 
but you got to be able to arrange people to use those bullet drop compensators or simply have a, you know, have a, a laser range finder or something like that to be able to uh, use those bullet drop compensators. Other than that, they kind of useless. But some of them, like the one I'm about to load up, um, actually have a, a ranging reticle, a ranging feature alongside the actual bullet drop compensator. Now, I just dropped that into, uh, wait a minute, I dropped it into the A. Let me drop it into the RE also. Yeah, we used to use the front sight to gauge, like, if an average person was, like, five, nine, uh, six foot, the front sight uh-huh. would be the size of an average person. So we can kind of tell, at like, how they look compared at, like, at about 100, at 100, probably, like, 100, 100 yards. Okay. Maybe, like, 150 yards. I bet you can... Look at the site and kind of get a difference, like a like if you look at the front site on them, you kind of mm-hmm. get a feel of how big the person is compared to the site post. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you like can, a little bit of point of reference. I can see that reference of the person about to about a hundred yards, but as the distance goes out, then you, then once then you got to start trying to really, you know, you got you got to guesstimate. Oh, they yeah. this far, they that far. You know what I mean? And that's when you can get thrown off if you really need to take a shot. And on top of that, especially if that person is, you know, if they moving, it's going to be tremendously hard. Uh, if they're not paying attention, sitting in a chair somewhere, and you send them through a window or something, or send them standing guard, that might be different. Yeah. Yeah, whatever we used to use, like a, somewhat like a, a point of reference, like that front sight post was kind of like a point of reference. And a lot of times it's kind of like remembering, too, like how certain things look at certain distances and also like count things like heels. And, and most of the time you have like a GPS so you can kind of figure out, you know, where they were at. Or sometimes yeah. you guesstimate just based on, you know, knowing how many paces equals a yard and how far they should be. So it was kind of like, you know, or looking at a map, too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see, and a, lot of, a lot of those skills the average person would have, or they would have, though, you know, um, the knowledge to do it, you know what I mean? And I think that's why we're just trying to, you know, just kind of get some of these points out, even though it's kind of in a, uh, it's not in a uh, organized fashion tonight. It's just some subjects and topics I wanted to uh, discuss. We kind of went a couple places and came back. Do y'all see the reticle that I just dropped in the RE page? Yep. Now, see, that's the one from the primary arms. That's kind of why I like this because. That one, this is what I'm talking about. That's a one by six scope. What, baby? Are we supposed to take him off? Mom? I don't know. Go down there and talk to her. I'm, I'm talking on the phone. I'm not. I don't know what to say. Go down there and figure it out. You know what you said. We got you in trouble. Am I supposed to take off? Everybody, um, if you look at this reticle right here, um, you'll see like they have the the chevron. I believe uh, represents from the top of it. Um, it's like if they're at 100 yards, 200 yards, and it's a certain measurement. They're not showing here from like the top of that chevron down to the bottom. Uh, if um, I think that's from zero to 200 yards. Uh, 200 yards might be right at the, the the bottom of that Chevron if you have a, uh, a person standing there. But that number's like you'll see like a little dot in the center. You see four. If you if somebody was at 400 yards, you will put your crosshairs, you know, that, that line there on, on that person. 
And if it was at 500 and then at 600 yards, as you you know, as you see the uh, numbers go down. But if you don't have a, if you look to the right there, they got a, a ranging reticle for a human being. So if a man is standing there, like if he's at um, um, 400 yards, he's going to be uh, from the top. Uh, let me see, from 400. Yeah, they, I had to read their direction. I, had to, I mean, what they what their skills indicate. Because I was thinking, if 400 yards, they're going to be top, they're going to be at their, their greatest height. So 400 yards, a person should be their head should be from the top. That that from that the head to the toe should be from the top to the bottom. At 500 yards, um, it seems like it don't seem like it should be that great a distance. But I would presume that that second line to the bottom from the second line down to the bottom would be 500 yards, and from 600 yards they'll be. At the height, that height there from where you see six to, you know, the the head of the man would be uh, at the line where you see six, and his feet was at would be at the bottom. So it kind of gives you a, a ranging reticle uh, when a person is out, you know, 400 yards to 600 yards. So that's really helpful um, when you're looking at that kind of reticle. But that type of reticle is not going to be. Um, that's kind of like minute of man, you know, when you're just really trying to deal with a human silhouette and you hoping to hit the person somewhere within the general area, but it's not precise as, like, you, you go down and look at the other reticle, um, like the one with the uh, PHT where you can get fine measurements and really, you know, zoom in. And it's this type of reticle that you would use to to uh, calculate, um, you know, actual bullet drop. This is, like, the, 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 the first picture I put up. Um, once you had that data, like, what your drop is, and, you know, like, uh, when you're dealing with this is an MOA scope, so what MOA is a minute of angle, and then 100 yards, one MOA is one inch. So if you shift your 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 turrets, um, generally your turrets will be in a quarter of an inch. So you know you'll take it'll take uh, um, there'll be a quarter of an inch measurement. So uh, one click is uh, it'll, it'll um, one MOA. If you move your your target turrets one MOA, it'll shift it one inch at 100 yards, and it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's gonna go uh, in sequence to the range. So, if uh, you were at 200 yards, one would be two inches. You know, one uh, MOA would be two inches. You know, what I mean, at 300 yards, it's three three inches. At four 400 yards, it's four inches. At 500 yards, it's five inches. You know, what I mean, um, so uh, MOA at 500 yards is five inches. And that's why, like, when you, when you go to the range, you zero in, you want to make sure you're uh, a lot of real high-precision shooters, they, like, they have some barrels that can shoot sub-minute, what do you hear them saying, stuff like sub-minute angle um, uh, groupings. And, I mean, their bullets are so small, they might be three-quarter of an inch, they might even be a half inch. That's a very small group at 100 yards. You know what I mean? But the standard, if you can keep all your shots within a one-inch um, uh, spear at 100 yards, then, you know, once you zero your rifle and if you get good quality ammunition, uh, you can start plugging that data into your scope. But then learning to work the scope is a whole science in itself. And scopes, you got all these different companies making scopes. So you got to, you really have to read their manuals and look at what their subtensions are. Like this this one here is telling you different things when you're looking at um, this reticle here, uh, the Viper PST uh, reticle uh, is telling you like, um, um, you got your MO, you know, your MOA like 10 MOA from this point, from center point to that top point is 10 MOA. Uh, you see, like they say, the thickness of the line itself is 0.18 of an M, you know, 
uh, of an MOA. Um, they'll show you over, like you go to the right uh, from the distance on average between the little, you know, the half, uh, half, um, half mark to the full size mark is five MOA. You know, um, and then you, as you get closer to the center, they got different. The the the, the reticles have uh, varying meaning, you know, vary varying meanings to them, and that's why you actually have to have the uh, the, uh, the manufacturers, um, you know, guide to tell you, okay, what do all these subtensions mean? What is all you know? What is all this data? And it'll be important because if you're trying to calculate somebody, and this is for range finding. This is when you got a scope like this. Then you don't need a side, you know, you don't need that side feature like you had up there with the Chevron um, type scope because you could calculate somebody's distance and you can calculate it pretty good. And on top of that, you can make adjustments once you have known measurements and known drop information, then you can do you can do you can do the math and and, and hit people precisely. That's what you don't need a scope like this when you're shooting out to extended range and we're going out to 1,000 yards and beyond, we got to 800, you know, 800 yards, 800 meters, 800 and so meters and stuff like that. You need, you, you know, trying to use, like, bullet drop compensating uh, reticles, uh, you may be able to hit a person, but it won't be precise at all, and especially once wind become a factor at those ranges uh, and just, you know, just a natural, uh, you know, round drift, um, you got a high probability of missing. Very high probability of missing. But all that stuff, you know, it was just kind of like just kind of giving y'all some ideas, and we'll go in depth on, on the, uh, in the A group, and we'll, we'll address it from scopes to um, everything in particular. But I did want to discuss that because me and Fred was out there working on it, and I just said, you know, I don't know, I thought, uh, you know, it's something to talk about um, just giving people kind of a little quick overview of, of, of some of the components. Um, they go into long range shooting because a lot of people, you know, think a lot of people just kind of come out and it's it's amazing. Like we go to the range a lot of times, and uh, even you have people who shoot a lot out there, you'll be surprised what people don't know. And um, oftentimes you'll get people, you know, coming up asking you to help them uh, and stuff like that, zero rifle and so on and so on. But you know, that's that's something else right there too. Uh, kind of funny about that, but um, it's interesting. It it can be interesting sometimes. I know that's kind of boring. Um, the whole subject was probably boring in, in the way it was presented might have been, but one of the things that's important about it, whether the subject is interesting or not, is that um, something else I want to talk about is, you know, a lot of times uh, um, Henry asked earlier, or last week we were talking about, um, he asked a question about orienteering and, like, how many people really do it. And I told him, I said, you know, it's uh, a lot of us are not into a lot of things, and a lot of us are not, um, a lot of us, you know, we kind of talk about, you know, being prepared. Not saying people on this page, but a lot of people in general. But a lot of people, when you really get down to doing real work and really understanding stuff, whether it's, it's, it's compasses or whether it's like even, you know, iron sights or precision rifles or even when it comes to uh, field craft, um, the real work is often boring. It's just like being in college. If you really start learning the science of how stuff works and really getting it down packed, it can be boring or what people consider boring. And um, that's what other people have an advantage over us because other people will take the time and focus and um, they'll, they'll, they'll involve themselves in things to a degree which we won't. And it'll kind of, whether it's boring or not, they'll go through the motions 
and um, they'll have an advantage over us because simply because they took the time to to see it through, and that's a common problem a lot of us have. That's why we when you think about us as a group, we never really nowhere. There's not one real solid that I know of. Uh, you know, outside of even the little stuff that we do, you don't know of any real. I can I can name a gang of uh, uh, organizations ran by the others. Uh, even something as simple as Appleseed, where they have actually organized, and I ain't talking about revolutionary, they're going to kill the government type stuff, but just they have a, 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 a organized group where the kids, people know how to shoot, they study real sciences related to the field, and the people, they do the stuff for real. But with us, it's always a struggle because we kind of, we have become, we've allowed ourselves to become non-studious, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I want to go there, but a lot of times it's hard to, um, it's hard to even do stuff to to be honest with you because uh, a lot of times the interest is just not there, and then we have to ask ourselves a question. That's kind of like going back to what we were talking about the other night, Chief. If um, if the people become discouraged with learning, or the people find that the, the information or learning is 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 um, whether is 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 uh, uh effort put on by them themselves or some learning under somebody else, and we don't bother with learning, then we become that that that's a that's an affirmation of inferiority, because if we don't learn and other people are, whatever the subject is, they're gonna have an advantage over us, and I don't I don't know how you change that because, um, we've seen you know as a whole a lot of us you know as a people we we seem to have an aversion. Learning. Did you heard the all? But I don't know. What's, what's y'all taking? Anybody, you know, beyond that, y'all, anybody got anything they want to add? Uh, any points they want to discuss or whatever? I know I'm pretty much done with that. I know that might have been boring to everybody, but um, y'all feel free before we close out. Uh, if anybody got anything they want to add. Nope, I'm good. You made some good points. I don't have anything to add. Well, until next time, I know that was an impromptu call. Y'all know I do that sometimes. Uh, we didn't have a call this week, so I try to, you know, with the A group, I know I'm trying to I try to keep my word. had a lot going on. And um, next time, if it weren't so impromptu, it would have been probably better organized, too. But just some stuff I want to throw out for talking points. I always try to see what everybody else got um, on their plate, too. We talked about that a little bit. Um if nobody got anything else, they don't want to, not so much, don't even have to be done talking. If nobody don't have any questions or anything they want to add, then you can call it until the next time. All right. Good okay. talking to you guys. Talk to you guys next time. Good talking to you. All right. You. Okay. Thank you, all Appreciate it.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.